My name is Carolyn Weisinger, and I'm running for West Contra Costa Unified School District Board Trustee in Area 5. We are here in the beautiful city of El Cerrito, in front of El Cerrito High School, or what we as alumni call it, Gaucho Land. I entered Gaucho Land in 1993 as a freshman. During my time at El Cerrito High School, I played a number of leadership roles. I was in the leadership class, I was the director of communications, I was the Black Student Union president, I was the director of finance, I was the rally chair, I was the senior class president. I did all of these things under the tutelage of legendary leadership teacher Marilyn O'Brien, as well as Edwina Elsie, both of who were 30-year teachers at El Cerrito High School. Coming to the district, one of the things that I really want to, str to strive is bringing equity into our district, bringing the lens of those who have been here for so many years. There are a lot of black and brown families that have actually experienced a lot of racism here in the ward that's known as Area 5. I want to make sure that those black and brown parents who are no longer able to sit in the seat at West Contra Costa still have a voice on our board. So we are here on the south side of Richmond, or as I like to call it, the forgotten section of District 5. I grew up right down the street from here on the corner of Potrero and 45th Street, um, and my cousin grew up right behind me on Potrero and 43rd Street. All of my friends lived up and down what is called the Potrero Corridor. That corridor goes from Crescent Park, Deliverance Temple, Kennedy Manor, all the way down into Easter Hill. I got my start as a leader here in Pilgrim Rest Missionary Baptist Church, also on the corner of Potrero and 43rd Street. As the representative of Area 5, I understand the importance of investing in our youth at a young age. So it's important that we're also investing in Korematsu, Harding, Fairmont, and Washington. If we're doing what we need to do to invest in our students in the, as a young age, when they get to El Cerrito, we'll be able to make sure that we're ensuring their success going on into college or career or whatever their path takes them to. As a District 5 representative, it's also important that we are investing in our dual immersion programs and our dual immersion schools. Dual immersion is so much more than just language learning, it's also culture building. So as we're striving to be a more anti-racist and equitable district, those dual immersion programs will be key to that process. I'm a black person who grew up here in Richmond. My family's been here since 1944. I've lived here since 1987, and I am proud to represent this district. Once again, my name is Carolyn Weisinger. Vote for me on November 3rd, West Contra Costa Unified School District, Area 5. Nice. I'm Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find the Mocha Minutes podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Find us on any of those platforms or wherever else you catch a podcast. Also still soliciting for ratings and reviews. If you would be so inclined, please leave us some five stars. Leave us some reviews. Would greatly appreciate it. Also, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mocha Minutes on all three of those platforms. If you want to shoot me an email, give me some feedback. Other than on those three places, you can email me at mochaminutes at gmail.com. Thank <laughs> you.
Welcome back to the Mocha Minutes Podcast. I am Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me. Guys, this is the episode before Election Day. And I have been saying this for a few years, that because of what happened in 2016, the next presidential election is going to feel like it's 25 years old. And it does not help that we are now in a pandemic so it just made it seem like longer because this literally has been the longest year. We are now, this is, we're recording on November 1st. This has been the longest year ever. It feels like it's been four years. There's so many things people are like, you know, this happened in January. I'm like, oh my God, Bird Box was this year. I'm like, what? 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 I'm like, wait, has Bird Box this year? I was like, wait a minute, that don't make no sense. Why well, I feel like Bird Box was last year. And I'm like, wait, was it? I have no idea. I feel like time in this time we're in is a social construct. <laughs> it's like, time is honestly, I'm like, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what month it is. I'm kidding. It's, it's Sunday, November 1st. That's when we're recording. So I, um, I am fortunate enough to be a part of the most pragmatic voting block in our country, which is <laughs> Black women. And I'm not Ooh. just talking about biological women, folks. I just really want to let y'all know every Black woman who identifies as a woman is involved and a part of the most pragmatic voting block. We are the block that do not vote against our best interests. We vote mm -hmm. for our best interests. And a lot of people will label other dem voting demographics, label it as Black women are coming to save us. And it's like, no. The plane is going down. You're just on the plane with us as we make sure the plane lands safely. We are not trying to help you. We are like, you just happen to be on the plane. I'm the co-pilot. The pilot just like got drunk and he slumped over. I'm the co-pilot and I'm going to land this. But I'm doing it so that I won't die. Right. So I am also very fortunate and blessed to have two women whose political opinions I definitely respect they are very vocal they are very active and i'm very excited i was like i want them here because <laughs> one they're not just plugged in at the federal level of politics they're very active at the state and city and local levels <sighs> because there are people who like to send the message like voting is just for the president and baby that's so hey. not how this works and I'm like I feel like whatever civics class social studies wherever it was called in your school has failed you or you don't use the mini computer that is a phone or a tablet that you have access to to google shit <laughs> it's like google's your friend it's too free it's like it's a free app you don't have to pay for this it's free it's freer than water what do you I don't understand I don't use this I'm like you could just Google stuff. Like, I don't, just ask questions. Google will just answer you. Y'all don't, y'all, some, not anybody on this call, I will say, maybe not, will, are old enough to remember Ask Jeeves. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Ask Jeeves used to be the thing. It's like, Jeeves, I don't know this. And bam, here come the answers. And then search engines got better. But that's, I digress on that. I have two of my dear friends on here. One of them <laughs> I actually met her during hashtag retail life at Macy's. Mm. <laughs> 
Let me just tell you the stories that y'all just don't know about working retail. And when, when I hear about how retail workers, and when I say retail, I'm talking about department stores, the mall, any store in the mall, supermarkets, that's all retail in my mind, and how they are being treated when they're literally just enforcing the mandates of the store they work for. They're getting attacked, they're getting coughed on, they're getting spit on, they're getting beat up by customers. And I'm like, you don't pay people enough to do this. Like, that is just ridiculous. I'm like, I'm just like, thank God I'm not there. Because it probably would have made me quit if I didn't quit before all this happened. It's like, uh, no. Because someone said, do you miss Macy's? I'm like, absolutely not. I miss some of the people I worked with, but not Macy's. So I have my buddy Charlene, someone who actually I really enjoyed working with at Macy's. Not only were we all in the departments, we used to also work the bridal registry area. Yes. <laughs> Which I absolutely had fun. Charlene, how are you this evening? Uh, I am absolutely um, feeling very stepped and excited at this time. It's like another level. <laughs> in the midst of this pandemic or pandemic or whatever term you use it. But um, it, it's, it's been one hell of a ride. I'm going to say mm. it like that. Mm. But in, in spite of it all, I, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to see your face. Glad to see new people. Glad to see Courtney. What you going to introduce a little bit? Sorry. You're fine. <laughs> um, yeah. It, 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 I feel like I'm in a good, very good space right now. I appreciate you being here. Because, you know, I, I was like, Charlene, I, I got a question. And I was like, it's okay. And my thing is, I was like, I never want to, <laughs> even though Asa, and she's probably listening, she's like, Stephanie always volunteers me to do something. I'm like, so, no, it was a request. And then I'm like, Does, did I really do that? She's like, I say it because you're really good at doing it, but yeah, I got voluntold. Stephanie said I had to vol. She voluntold me to do something. I'm like, oh, I mean, but you're so good at it. No, see, see, there I go. Yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> you're so good at it. No, no. Okay. My other person here, I call her my California baby mama. She hey. is one half of the C Dub show. I have. Courtney, Courtney, how goes it in Cali? Um, well, um, we've been fire free for a minute. Okay. Um, a minute, usually, you know, about maybe about a week. Mm -hmm. um, at least in Northern California. Let me actually rephrase that. In Northern California, it's been calmer. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe we've got some rain coming soon. Oh, good. So, um, I can hold off on, on the fires. Um, you know, we're, we're holding it down. I am uh, re-entered kindergarten. I'm at home with uh, Caleb. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, boy. Doing virtual kindergarten. Oh, um, part of his class went back. Oh. Um, we opted to stay virtual at this time just because, of course, you know, I have little cruisy woozy here mm -hmm. so i have you know the seven month old mm -hmm. um which who was born in march and to your point about time feeling like it's gone on forever i can't believe it feels like he should be three years old right now because it feels like that's much time has gone by right it's like he's 
seven months old, but it seems like March was just 150 years ago. But it's like, if he wasn't here, I feel like I wouldn't know what month we were in. Like, mm. I know we're about six months from March because he's obviously a six month old looking baby. But if it was just me here by myself with my parents and Caleb, who, who he gets taller, but you know, you see him every day. You don't recognize how tall he's gotten until I look at like older pictures and I see like, Oh, he's way past my elbow now. <laughs> um, this was a long time ago. Right. Um, I feel like I wouldn't know the days and and the the weeks and the and it feels like time is going by very fast but then also very slow it's mm-hmm. very it feels like a very um it just things feel very warped in this new pandemic right world um but we are we are healthy we're doing okay mm-hmm. the kids are okay my parents um they got stuck here with us they came in february for cruz's birth and then just didn't go back home which is perfect um (laughs) you know they just stuck here you know they're they're just stuck here and that's fine Mm -hmm. and um but yeah we're we're holding it down we're healthy um i'm happy that uh election season is almost over Mm -hmm. because i'm tired of this shit yo i'm tired i'm tired boss we we tired boss I'm tired. I can't do. It. I can't. And I'm. I'm glad this only comes around every. I guess if, you know if you're counting the the primaries, which barely get any attention. But I I have mm-hmm. a feeling no matter no matter which way these elections go from here on out, there's going to be a lot of focus on primary elections and and elections on the House and you know mm-hmm. Senate and when those folks are running, there's going to be a lot more attention. From, of course, we saw what happened with 2018. I just feel like moving forward, every two years, there's just going to be a lot going on because there's going to be now so much more focus on how Congress swings moving forward. Um, so, yeah, shit, girl. We holding it down. We doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, girl. Ooh, it's, a, it's, it's like it's, it's the home stretch of the election, but not the home stretch of making sure america gets their shit together it's, it's literally that's not right. the home stretch it's like it's oh no stretch. we'll be doing that for the rest of our lives pretty much it's like <laughs> we just got to get him out it's like he just has to go and it's it's kind of like doing surgery you cut shit out that needs to go and then mm. you gotta allow the body to heal but you gotta cut the shit out first and that's I what, think you had seen my post the other day when it's like, you know, I voted for Joe and that's fine. Yeah. Um, this whole battle for the soul of America. Mm-hmm. My, now, if we want to get into the soul of America, America needs an exorcism because I mean, it's never been right. It's, it's founded on anti-Black racism that's very much entrenched in all of our systems. Mm-hmm. And it's very much the foundation from which Donald Trump and candidates who align with him, who have the same views and expressions of him have grown from because white supremacy is still very much a thing mm-hmm. and it won't be addressed head on. I mean, as we saw, we had a whole presidential candidate not denounce it until like four days later like oh Mm -hmm. i've always denounced 
those things and things like that thing. Things like what thing? Think, think, what what the fuck? No. Mm -mm. So we, until we properly address anti-black racism, white supremacy in our systems, and really, really, you know, like the way out is the way back through. Mm -hmm. And America just is not ready. So we're, you know, like every so often we're going to have people like Donald Trump Mm -hmm. and, you know, folks on, you know, federal level, you know, members of Congress, folks at the state level, folks on the local levels who align with him and align with that type of um, thinking that are going to be popping up from here on out. That's why I said for the rest of our lives, we're going to be dealing because he has lighted the fire. And even though we're going to put him out, it's like whack-a-mole. Once you hit one, two more pop up. And we're going to be swing. We're going to be swinging that shit for the rest of our lives Mm -hmm. because White people don't want to do what they need to do to unpack all of this shit that even formed, allowed this type of stuff to fester. Correct. So. Correct. Because like, um, this isn't our mess to fix. Again, we're just, tr- you happen to be in the plane that we're trying to land. We're not doing this <laughs> for you. So please stop. Black women are going to save us. I'm like, don't, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, we're not here to save you. Because you don't, you don't, advocate for us so i wanted to start off by asking everybody what was their first election mine was 2000 ironically the first the second time in the history of the electoral college that the popular vote and electoral college didn't match also the 2000 election was a fucking shit show it's like that was my first election and i'm like i was the they were like don't let this happen again it's like this is how the system works. Popular vote and electoral college should match. And when it doesn't, it, people look at it like, well, what the hell? It was like, I thought that, I thought the system works. I'm like, yeah, but fuck Florida. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> uh, what was your um first election, Charlene? Oh my God, that, we're going way back. I probably fall in the category of super voter. Cause we got to go back to 1990 something Ooh. to be exact. Mm. And that was like my very first one. I've been voting elsewhere because I had not lived in Maryland. Mm. Okay. So technically mm. uh, when I turned 17, I registered to vote and just been voting. Mm. Oh, oh my gosh. What about you, Courtney? Um, so my first election was uh 2008 i was 21 so yes that was very exciting i got to um vote i for some reason i'm like why didn't i vote in the primary in 2006 i might have not been that well versed Mm -hmm. in primary elections because i'm like oh why didn't i vote in 2006 but um so nevertheless my first time um voting was for um Barack Obama so Mm. that was exciting um and I feel like uh really inspired my lifelong really interest in in politics in general I've always liked history and I've always liked politics Mm -hmm. and so that was exciting that the first time I voted was for our first black president that has to be exciting so for all the black people were like this is my first election I'm like that has to be like some of the most the most exciting part mostly because for the folks before us they're like 
we didn't ever think this would happen. And it's not because we didn't think a black person would be qualified. It's just that whiteness. Because the thing, the the funny thing about Obama is that he was never the front runner. It was Hillary. They Mm -hmm. wanted, and as much as people hated Hillary, they just felt like, well, I mean, we let Bill do it, and it came. It was like this weird. Well, you got to give it to Hillary because John Edwards, well. He's community dick. That hoe was for the mm, streets. Girl. So girl. He kind of like, the bad part about it is like, everybody. I feel like if he wasn't such a hoe, I feel like he would have maybe not dropped out, but I think he was always a solid bronze. <laughs> he was, it was like, he, I was like, I mean, he could have been VP. He really could have been VP, but he was just, True. Girl, he's a little bit too loose with that thing now. Mm-hmm. You out here having these side kids. That's one thing that gets you exactly. have a little girlfriend on the side, but you having whole oh, kids. kids. Oh, mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. And it's like, child. And then his wife like had cancer at the time. And he was cheating. Girl, it was she, something she was she was, she was ill. Okay. Yeah, she she was sick. She did have cancer. He was cheating on her, had that baby. Mm-hmm. Then that little girl looked exactly like him. Girl, it was a mess. Girl. That was a mess. It was like how you going to, listen here Arnold Schwarzenegger you can't deny this child Ooh, <laughs> and I that baby if that I was like, like you know ma'am. I'm from California you know I'm from California so you know that's our old governor girl yeah. I don't know how he I don't know how. I don't know I was like <laughs> I don't know how you fix your lips to go he's not uh, uh, baby we can look at him Right. I'm like, so he was just walking around the house looking just exactly like your husband. And nobody and you didn't, didn't say anything, girl. Nobody said that. <laughs> nobody, nobody. And he don't even talk about that kid. He don't talk about. No, the- they, no, they, they're, they have actually a good. I girl, I follow on Schwarzenegger on so does, Instagram, does and a- they kick it. <gasps> Do yeah, they? they kick it? They hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, his son, his name is Joseph. Mm-hmm. He is also um into bodybuilding and fitness mm-hmm. and they they have a relationship okay. they've been building their relationship i will say that you know now that everything's out in the open they have been spending time together so mm. um okay. yeah so you know he's doing the the the, the doing the right ish thing i suppose or right. the best you can do in that situation mm-hmm. so yeah 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 Oh, that's interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know what? That she made me sick with that cackle. She has a mess. <laughs> As a, so, a sidebar. Mm-hmm. sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so we're back in this. I don't know if every news station, but our news station here calls it decision, whatever the gear is, they call it decision. So we're in decision 2020 and for maybe like the last four, three and a half, four or five years, um, a lot of people are like, don't bring up my ancestors. Don't vote, shame me into voting. Um, why are you trying to shame us? Our vote don't count. Why are you, why are you trying to make me feel bad? But at the same breath, always saying I'm not my ancestors. I'm like, no, you're not. Cause your ancestors actually fought for shit. You don't. He's like, Girl. I know you fucking lying to me. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I will try to refrain from so much cursing, but y'all are making me stabby. Because it's like, look, y'all going to stop disparaging your ancestors. Stop okay. doing that. Do 
is, I mean, I, uh, this whole thing around ancestors and, and which and people are saying I'm not my ancestors. So, well, first of all, I'm going on it. I am my ancestors because they vote, they fought, they they carry, they did all of those things. And so, if you're saying you're not your ancestors, maybe your ancestors didn't do enough. I don't know what that is. I'm sure that you're not doing any more than what your ancestors was doing and what they for Just the fact that they even lived through a time where uh, Jim Crow, how many of us can even live through that? The Jim Crow self at that. And also, you're under this impression, mind you, you're talking about your ancestors who voted to get a, so they can get a seat at the table of a table that nobody wants them at. They never had any candidates that were speaking for them, but they still wanted to be there because it was, it's, it's hilarious to watch. I'm like, why do you think they didn't want them there? Black men That's... had the right to vote in the 1800s before right. white women in 1920. And they started putting black people like, uh-uh, wait a minute, what you doing? Don't be bringing all these niggers up in here. Why are you putting all these niggers here? Because you gave I... us the right to vote. Then they started doing really... slick shit. And, and see, that's like the, the concept that I don't get where people say, and, and, and let me say this, I, I also um, have tried to step away from vote shaming mm -hmm. to, to change, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to um, incorporate uh, political strategies when we talk about changing our messaging, right? So it's like, what's the messaging? Yeah. Because it's not working, like telling people like, you know, if you don't vote, whatever chaos comes from your lack of participation is your fault. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that messaging does not work and people right. feel attacked. And so it's like, okay, well, let's shift the messaging because the real issue is people feel like their input isn't valid. Mm -hmm. And also, if you're coming from states where voter suppression is a real issue and there's real barriers to voting, mm -hmm. it feels like, why do I need to go through all these hoops, stand in all these lines, do all this research on finding a polling place and going through all this trouble to vote to, for my vote to not count? Mm -hmm. And so to add to what you were saying, Stephanie, it's like, that's the point. The voter suppression exists. The challenges that they put you through to vote exist because obviously voting does work. And, you know, we were talking on the C-Dub show right before this about how it's not just federal, right? Mm -hmm. I think the federal elections, obviously, it's like, it's the big names. It's the, the marquee it's you know it, this is that's the that's the main event mm -hmm. but really a lot of these changes people want to see a lot of the issues that people have with their community are fixed or can be fixed or can be addressed or need to be addressed on a very local level so we're talking about our city council members or what i know they're called something else in other states um, or, you know, your town council, your mayors, mm -hmm. your district attorneys, you know, your, your county representatives, all your state legislative. Yeah, all the judges. You know, there's, there's so many, you know, people running for sheriff. Mm -hmm. Things like there's uh, all, you know, and of course, all of our school boards. All of those things, these changes when we talk about, you know, the underfunding of, of education or there's not enough affordable housing being built mm -hmm. or, you know, people, you know, 
to in reference to water nuggets who talk about small business loans those things a lot of times yes they're coming it's you can get federal funding, mm-hmm. but the way it's distributed, the, the way it's allocated throughout the community, those decisions are made on a very local level. Correct. And if you don't vote, then you can have people stay in these positions. A lot of times, like in, in Oakland, we don't have term limits for our city council members. We have a city council member, his seat just became open just now he's been in office since 1996 because we don't 1996. Have, i don't think our city council doesn't have term limits either no so yeah so, so see that's what i'm saying you've got people in here for decades mm-hmm. making decisions on very your everyday life these mm-hmm. these initiatives these things that impact your everyday life and the president been gone how many presidents did that man went then went through being on that city council since 1996? Mm-hmm. He didn't went through Clinton's last term, two, Bush. two a Bush, two a Obama, and now one a Trump. Mm-hmm. He didn't went through four presidents, and he been in this one seat. So that's what I'm. So when I talk about changing the messaging, it's okay. You might not get down with presidents, and it's not about Democrat. It's not about Republican. But your vote is your way to impact your everyday life. And I think when people think about it from that point of view, we don't get caught up in the vote shaming. Mm -hmm. I feel like it makes people feel more encouraged because they can recognize their power. And also even if you can, if they're more data people, you can bring out old elections like, hey, this election was decided by 300 votes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in these local elections, people are only winning by less than 500, less than 200 votes sometimes. Yeah. So it's like, hey, if you if they would have knocked on maybe a few more doors or just 200 more people would have voted, it could have swung either way. Yeah. So I think yeah. when you encourage people that, hey, this county or this seat or these elected officials decide on all of these different issues, mm-hmm. and I know this is important to you then it, we encourage people to, to vote more. But I also think with voter education, mm-hmm. if you are a person who is, um, you know, uh, if you're a, an organizer around voting, mm-hmm. getting to know your constituency and getting to understand why people don't believe in voting, but then also recognizing what's important to them and connecting, making change through voting on a local level, I think we could bring a lot more people to the table and encourage a lot more people to vote. Correct, correct, let me, absolutely. Let me step in on that because I'm because uh, Courtney have brought in the facts and everything. This is wonderful. Well, also I always appeal to the side of feeling of what does it look like when you are the disengaged voter or you the disengaged person? Because technically, I know as me um, being someone that has been voting for years. And there's this discussion around the super voters, quote unquote, those who have been voting for more than at least a decade. And always the question is, you know, we're not, we, I personally don't get into voting shame because it is your decision to vote. It is your decision not, um, not to vote. But I understand what is driving that because you're looking at it, those folks are looking at it from a place of, well, what, what have we gotten? You voted, mm-hmm. all these people went and vote looking for something, then what happened? But see that, but people look at it as, but it's just, you know, picking somebody's name or, you know, just 
choosing a candidate. But then it's that whole part about accountability. It's the, um, the civil engagement part of it, knowing who you put in the office, why it's important to be that informed voter, and most importantly, not to get into entanglements. Because that's, that's another discussion where we get so caught up in what the personality, the name, or how that person make you feel. But the problem is that you, you get into that, then you get into that realm of um, not being engaged, a tapping out because it's easier for you to not want to be engaged and not to make that decision. And maybe you've seen it time and again, and again that you see other people placing votes on voting, but they're not being as educated as they should in the voting. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's the whole narrative where we're shaming someone not to vote. I already know that there's more of us that as that are able to vote and have registered to vote. So we have to strengthen that and then show the give that that fact that Courtney had laid out in terms of what that looks like when you engage in versus when you choose not to engage. And most importantly, we still haven't had maybe a over we haven't seen the at least a 90% participation in our voting process. Some cities like I know Baltimore, that that number can run like 13 to 25 percent. So if 13 to 25 percent of people are making the decision or choosing to show up, then we're yeah. getting what we're Yeah, because you're not going to put like, who, people who's in. Who's really making the decision? Right. <laughs> right. the community. It's like you, <laughs> you're saying your vote doesn't matter, but your vote has a lot more power. And I think because a lot of the people who are making the decisions don't look like us mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who don't trust it it's like you don't care about my you don't care about my community you don't care about me as a person and so then you have black candidates throughout the country who are like pounding the pavement god's no, going everywhere and mm -hmm. they're still like they're not getting as much support as they can or their support or just the same demographic. So the demographic I'm thinking of is the black evangelicals. They'll come out and vote. But sometimes the stuff they vote on makes you go, what are you doing? Because yeah. Charlene can remember this when they had the same sex marriage on the ballot and man, oh man, people just showed their entire behinds on that. It was like, and Ooh. I wanted to say, Stephanie, what I'm I'm glad you mentioned the demographic, and then even Charlene, what you had mentioned as far as the voter turnout, it's you know 13 to 25 percent um, of registered eligible registered voters turning out to vote. I don't have those stats for California or for my area, but when you talk about who's showing up to vote usually, and, and we see it all the time, it's older white folks are showing up to vote mm -hmm. or just older people are showing up mm -hmm. to vote, right? Yeah. So you, the community, the way I, I always present it is, especially on a local level, communities are crafted through voting, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, who's voting? Who's crafting the community? Mm -hmm. Because they're saying through voting what's important, especially when you get into ballot measures when you get into things like bonds and what's mm -hmm. being funded, mm -hmm. all of that is coming from the demographics point of view. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have a range of demographics, 
you're not getting an understanding of what's important to your specific demographic and then you're getting the short end of the stick and then the cycle just continues yeah. you feel this you're disengaging because you're not seeing change Right. And then you're not voting and then nothing ever gets changed because that's the way you present your essentially opinion on what needs to happen in your community it happens a lot through voting. Yeah. And then and again, it's like where a lot of times you're not voting for just candidates. You're not just voting for president. You're also not voting for just, you know, your Congress, your congressional members and and your state. You're also voting a lot of times on ballot measures or propositions like here in California. And a lot of those have to do with things like taxes, yeah. funding, what's being funded, how is that money being allocated? So then if you're still going into what you wanna see happen and what you wanna see change, it, it's, it's not going to be presented because you're not voting and therefore the opinion isn't being brought to the table. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, and a lot of it is a, a lot of the way a lot of the measures and propositions are written are also very confusing. Mm -hmm. um, it's not very clear. People just go off of we were and we were talking about this on the show how, you know, these commercials, they're just sometimes filled with just flat out lies. Correct. They're just lying. <laughs> and Correct. there's nothing that says it's like you can't lie. Right. Because candidates lie. P candidate, oh, all the time. You know, we I mean, our president's just lying every day. So mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, they'll lie in a commercial. And then you're like, oh, even if you're going to go vote, you've seen this commercial that's filled with inaccurate information. Mm -hmm. So you're going to vote based off of what you saw in the ad on youtube or, or tv mm -hmm. and then and then it's like you're still not really making the the maybe the decision that reflects your true concerns for the community right um and, and that's a challenge and it's done by design mm -hmm. it's you know voter suppression and vo voter misinformation mm -hmm. within the black community is a real big problem mm -hmm. yeah yeah that leads us into the next topic which is voter apathy versus voter suppression i'm not exact i mean i understand the tactic of doing it but i don't i don't like it i'm gonna say this black and as churches i say i don't like that i don't like it because voter apathy and voter suppression are not the same thing mm -hmm. and it never has been but i will give the caveat caveat of consistent systematic voter suppression can lead to voter apathy but it always it's that's that's not what's going on so when you hear things like don't boo vote um and then they're like what about voter suppression i'm like so here's the thing about that message they're not talking about the people who are trying to vote and cannot they're talking to the people who are choosing not to that is the difference and it's like it's a lot of voter suppression that a lot of people just didn't notice. And it's not just the same thing. There's not a sheriff standing with a gun at the voting polls telling you to get the fuck off our property. You are not counting okay. jelly beans in a jar before you can enter. <laughs> it's like, that is not, it's like, oh but their voter suppression can be um, closing voting polls and not telling anybody. Mysterious power outages. And then all uh -oh. of a sudden all the machines go down. Or there's like people texting older people saying, just text me your vote and you don't have to show up. Or telling our Latinx and Hispanic folks, 
that you need two forms of ID to vote, which is not true. It's like, wait a minute, why did they tell you you need two forms of photo ID? Which two forms? Who got two forms of photo ID? Exactly. It was like, what? Because they did that in 2016. They say you need two forms of ID. And it's like, who told you that? And it's kind of like, if you are here, if you're a legal permanent resident or you're here on the green card, which by the way, you're still paying taxes. So it's very interesting how much y'all don't like talk about immigrants, but you have no problem taking their money because they still pay taxes as a legal permanent resident. Why would you tell them that? But also... They're saying if you're elite, if you're quote unquote illegal, then they'll um, ICE will come get you. Yeah, they lock up our citizens too. So if you're brown, they're just going to grab you, and prayerfully you have your uh, state issued identification on you. Because what if you don't? You can't call anybody. And that this happened on Orange Is the New Black, and I think because it's a television show, people think that that's not entirely true. One of the women that was involved in that storyline, that is what happened to her family. So she was able to give the input on that. She's like, no, no, that, this is what is happening. And it's like, voter suppression is everywhere. However, so is voter apathy. Because when you are literally sitting in the middle of a storm, it's kind of hard to be positive about everything, especially when you see more houses being boarded up in your neighborhood. You see rec centers being closed down. You see all of these community programs either being discontinued or stopped or not even getting off the ground. It's kind of hard for you to just go, oh yeah, let me let me go vote. I need to do my thing. They'd be like, man, nope, nope, because they may feel like some candidates just come down to their area and do a photo op and then never come back to the hood. I've heard that too. Maryland did this really interesting thing a few years ago, and Charlene remember this, where they overnight quietly redistrict the entire state and changed all what? of the districts. Yes, the district they same. moved them around. Some people's stuff districts stayed the same. Others did not, because Elijah Cummings' new district really doesn't make any sense of where, like, how, how did he get West Baltimore, the city, and then part, yeah, and then I'm also the right, and then he was also had Howard County, and they have parts of Baltimore County because you yeah. know you got East Baltimore County and West Baltimore County. Yeah, it was like wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense, and they did it for the whole state, and it was like y'all did it so quietly. This wasn't voted on; they just did it. And it was just like, you're moving your districts around because you want to move the money around. Yeah, gerrymandering mm -hmm. of sorts. Yeah, it's just like, whew, I'm like, man, because when they did it, I went, that's interesting. Because why would, why would anybody want to do that? Well, they want to keep certain amounts of money in certain zip codes. They don't want to give you black people any money. They especially don't want no money going to the city. Not unless it's Roland Park. Because that their schools never have issues with funding ever. So to see the backlash to Barack Obama and Michelle Obama um, talking about how important voting is and being upset when Michelle talked about 
um, what happened in the primaries in 2010 and how they didn't really have the support of Democrats. People didn't fight. There was no big push for mid mid um, mid year elections, and a lot the Congress went red really quick. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to hear people act like Michelle didn't have a point or that she didn't live through all of this. It's like, uh, hey guys, I'm not going crazy. Cause then it was like, why are you trying to shame us? Why are you trying to shame us into voting? Why, why, look, you just don't understand. What about voter suppression? It's voter suppression has been around for a very long time. Cause a lot of voting rights ended in 2013. So I, I'm not a big, <laughs> it's funny. A lot of people who were saying, don't do the shaming have no problem shaming white people when they fuck up saying, where's our apology? How could you keep this person? You see how racist he is? So we're okay with shaming as long as it's not towards us, which means you recognize that sometimes shaming does work. It just mm. does. And it's like, but I get why you would feel some sort of way if you knew you are trying to fight to make sure we have enough voting polls, that if people need transportation to the polls, we can get them transportation. If you know you're busting your ass to make sure everybody gets to vote, I can see why you would have a little bit of a problem. But if you're not looking at the fact that not only is President Obama and his, his now his core, I want to say administration, but that's not what I want to call it, um, people like Stacey Abrams, where they're telling you to vote, but they're also doing things to actually try to mitigate voter suppression at the exact same time but you don't see that part because all you heard is like he said we got to vote and like well you do but we're not going to force you to do it because now you actually have a choice you didn't have the choice before and also other minorities after us 1965 excuse me 1975 is when a lot of them could vote imagine telling an indigenous person indigenous to this country that they cannot oh. vote they are not real mm. citizens. Mm. You tried to kill off their entire race because you wanted their land. You killed a lot of buffalo to starve them out. Like, guys, it's like, uh-uh. It's like, uh. so I see both of that, but it's like, and you got to get the right people in there to fight for you. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, no, I see that as well. Because one, a lot of people don't hear him saying both. They don't hear him saying like, voting is just one part of this. You got to have the right people in place to help you. Hi, crazy. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, he's on screen. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm telling you. Also, now, we got to talk about the felony vote. Because that's also another form of uh, suppression, voter suppression. Wait a minute, say it again. The felony vote in Florida. So the felony, the, those who have been convicted of a felony mm -hmm. got their right to vote. So that was a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. But then there was the other part of it. They had to pay what I call it the, the felony tax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so here you are, you're this person, you know, you, you, you served your time. You're back in society and you're mm -hmm. doing things and, and you're you're registering to vote because you're gonna cast your vote and then be told, well, you gotta pay that um maybe ten thousand dollars restitution mm -hmm. before you can get that right to vote. 
Right. Yeah. So it's like it it, it, it got a hit, and that also made me think about here because felony uh, those who uh, were convicted felons that um, return back to society have the right to vote here, and they didn't even know about that. California is the same. Apparently, California's the same way because Snoop Dogg didn't know he could vote. He was like, "Wait, I can vote." Because everybody think that's a federal law, and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's like that's state, that's state level shit. Because there are a few states that in the last three or four years have reversed that because they were the states that yep. said, um, no, if you're a felon, you can't ever get your voting rights back. And a lot of those states flipped it over. But California, I don't know if it's always been that way or they voted out because Snoop Dogg had no idea. And he's 50-something years old. So for California... After you um, complete your parole, mm-hmm. um, you your voting rights are um, But yeah, but that's a lot of things. It's like it's automatically so you don't have to like fight for it. Because I mean, technically, there are states like Virginia where it's like you can fight for it, but you do you do like Charlene was talking about. It's the felony that you have to pay for it, but you also have to apply for it, and they could still say no. But there are people who actually gone through like, no, I want my voting rights back. So then you saw a few states where they got like, they changed the law. It's like basically the same as California. As long as you finish your parole, you, you can have your voting rights back. And so there are people who have been maybe incarcerated for years and probably out. And like, I never got a chance to vote. And now I can actually vote. And it's like, that, that means so much to them. And it was kind of like, that's another form of voter suppression, not telling people their rights. Like, right. they're not going to tell you because they don't want you to vote. Right. They don't want you Because you would think, there's a lot of folks who don't, who think like, oh, once you're, you, you have a felony mm-hmm. record that your voting rights are just gone mm-hmm. for good. There's nothing, there's no one that shares with you that, hey, your voting rights will be restored after X, Y, Z. Right and or you you just have to go through they don't tell you the process of restoring your voting rights Mm-mm. but and and they'll let the you know as i was saying earlier the voter misinformation they let the misinformation thrive mm-hmm. instead of being actively um engaging and educating voters around their rights regardless of their um interaction <coughs> with the criminal justice system yeah yeah because I think people, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. And um, so if you have certain organizations that exist, like I know here in, in Baltimore, they have um, Out for Justice, where they go out and, and they make sure that uh, returning citizens understand that they do have a right to vote and they give them the, walk them through that information. And mm-hmm. maybe like several other states should have something similar. They have organizations that work with returning citizens. But, mm-hmm. but but overall, it would that is slow to happen to take place. So you yeah, so you have a population of people who really don't believe that that they, they really believe they can't vote, yeah. and so they sit in that space. Mm-hmm. And, and and that is also like a, a good amount of the voting population too that can make a decision, drive the decision of who who's going to get in office and who's not. Right. Yeah. It's like. And I'm glad because one, it 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 is these grassroots organizations, and I say grassroots because 
are people who don't have big platforms. They don't have the celebrity muscle behind it. So it's kind of like, it's thankless to a certain extent because they're like, look, I don't need any pomp and circumstance. I don't need this. I just want to make sure my brothers and sisters know that they can vote. I want my brothers and sisters to know their rights. That's it. I, like, I, don't need, I, don't, I don't need a ticker tape parade. I'm just doing it because it's the right thing to do because that's the problem. It's like, so when I see people <laughs> and we're going to get to our favorite rappers, plural, um, talking like literally going hard at the Democrats, but they're really not going after the Republicans. And I'm like, that's very interesting that you only direct it one way and you're typically directing it at the way that actually is probably the party that will listen to you because the Republicans don't listen to you because they don't need you. And more importantly, they don't want you either. They're like, no, 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 no. We don't want you either you on our, on our program or you out, which mm -hmm. is why you see the caliber of um, black and non-white Republican that you see, except for, and I'll, I'll give him half a Vienna figure, Michael Steele for some odd reason, because he's not for the bullshit. Oh, and it's, he's and he's like, my favorite. I was like, he's wow. one of my favorites. He don't listen too much. He's he, like, no. Nah. Like, what the hell are y'all doing? I'm like, <laughs> wait, who's talking right now? This is Michael Steele. He's been through too much. <laughs> he's really, I mean, because, and this is kind of like my whole issue with just like Trump being the person that mm -hmm. they're standing by. Mm -hmm. You all have to have more integrity than this. You know this man yeah. is a lunatic. You yeah. know he's a menace. Mm -hmm. If you want to have conservative policy, mm -hmm. that's fine. But this doesn't have to be the person that delivers it. Right. You got to send better people. You've got to send, you cannot send people who believe in QAnon theories, who are retweeting white supremacist groups. You've got to send better people. Correct. You, need you can. Better. I don't even have necessarily an issue around their policies because for me, I can, I can see how policies can be, you know, misconstrued and how sometimes policies don't do what they're supposed to do right. for everyone. And I feel like if people were more willing on both ends of the spectrum, or more more willing and more understanding about, we need to create a policy that produces certain results and you can take bits and pieces from maybe a policy that was written by democrats maybe one that was written by con conservative republicans liberal democrats liberal mm -hmm. republicans and you can you know you can take the best pieces out of different policies and put it together but it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of know-how and it takes some time mm -hmm. and understanding which you know i feel like a lot of lawmakers want to just be the winner you, they just want to win yeah. the, the, the policy argument mm -hmm. and there's, there's not a lot of uh, bipartisan togetherness as we can see mm -hmm. but Michael, I think Michael Steele is one of those people who it's like, we gotta cut this shit out. This mm -hmm. man if we can be, we can believe what we believe but this, this cannot be our person. Correct. This, this doesn't this and and I can say because you think about Republicans like Michael Steele who you don't maybe maybe dis, dis, disagree with on a policy level but it's just like they're not deplorable individuals mm -hmm. 
I can disagree with you on a policy and not think you're an absolute goddamn menace to humankind. Correct. Like he's a fucking menace. menace. Just a just a terrible, just terrible beyond all this reason. This cannot be. This cannot be your best man. And it can't be you the hill that y'all perpetually dying on. I'm like, right. what are y'all trying to do? You're trying to do civility and fairness. Y'all thrown in like civility. I'm like with him. And your party, are you being, you're not being serious right now, are you? You're, you're being serious. It's like, oh, you're serious. <laughs> y'all, y'all just hypocrites and y'all don't want to do this. So decision, because I, I don't know, maybe it's just the news programs that we have here, channels that call it decision. But decision 2016 was literally the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen in my life and also for political analysts they still don't understand but it's it's not a can't it's that they don't want to you don't want to look at the simplest solution to why this happened you don't want to look at whiteness you don't want to look at white supremacy you don't want to look at the fear that for many white people men and women they did not want Hillary. They hated that eight for eight years, a black man was the leader of the free world. They did not like it because a lot of people forget in the deep, 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 deep South, there were white people on lawn chairs saying, I will never vote for that nigger. Ever. They said this on, they said this with a camera in their face. They didn't care. They're not, they're not bringing up that you had the Tea Party, which was the extreme right, quote unquote. Um, and then the whole birtherism thing that was spearheaded by the person that is now the president of the United States. Because mm. you didn't really have anything on him except a tan suit and you alleging that he's not a real U.S. citizen because, you know, it's easy to discredit a brown person because you think brown people, one, if you don't think they belong in your country, it's easy to say, you weren't born here. I'm like, so your wife wasn't born here. Shut the fuck up. It's like, she wasn't born here. It's like, y- y- two out of your three wives wasn't born here. Hello? I'm like, they weren't born here. So they weren't, a lot, for a lot of white people, they were not going to go from a nigger president to a woman president. They were not going to do that. They're like, absolutely not. Nope, nope. Go back to status quo. We need a white man doing this. And for a lot of them, their excuse was, he's not a real politician. I'm like, so you do realize he doesn't know what policy is. He doesn't know how, what bipartisanship is. He, don't, he doesn't know diplomacy. The only thing you know about him is you're fired. Uh-huh. Voted for a real estate, real, reality TV star. It literally was Reagan 2.0 because Reagan was an actor. Oh, this is worse. <laughs> like Reagan 4.0, because this this is on another um this beyond something we can even imagine. Mm-hmm. Because it, it didn't prepare for the, the level of success he had with this. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing what bothers me even more. You have people mostly on the East Coast, they know know his background beyond 
uh, this reality TV show. Mm -hmm. I know his basis practice. And somehow it didn't travel far enough across the United States to even make an impact. Mm -hmm. So we already know that this is this whole thing of the status quo of seeing we just want a white man in the office, period. Correct. They don't even care. It's like but then away. I that's see, I still don't get that because from what I've heard, now you all live back east mm -hmm. and my uh to, to your point charlene the the rumors that he was not i guess they're not rumors but the the very well-known facts about him being a poor businessman and of course it wasn't just him being hey 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 i'm talking hey um it him being um about you know not paying contractors mm -hmm. and it's not just black and brown people that he didn't pay it was white people he Half didn't pay on atlantic city boardwalk it's like mm -hmm. fuck yeah. him forever. He, he was right they people just like really did not fuck with him as a businessman mm -hmm. and then he just got on the apprentice and then everyone forgot but people still looked at him as very much just an arrogant you know you know cheapskate mm -hmm. and then I don't know, I guess his immigration policy is just really what really drove it home for the Midwest states. Build a wall. Uh, They're taking our jobs. Yeah. Which, and then I also don't see how that even translated into he was the right person for that type of policy when he has his cheap ass suits being made in China and he's his whole family, all of their products are manufactured all in, mega in hats China. Were made in China. It was like, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I, I'm confused. Like he's not even doing what, like he's blatantly lying and gets caught in lies, and mm -hmm. people are just, just shrug their shoulders. And I, I just don't understand. Yeah, it's like it make it's like it's the power of whiteness, really. Because I'm sitting here mm -hmm. like, y'all don't see this. You literally, because. The Hulu documentary of Hillary shows how deeply they hate her. This is from the Republican side. They couldn't stand her ass. But I'm trying to remember if in the documentary they talked about Donald Trump used to be a Democrat because he used to be one of her, her biggest donors when she was in the Senate. He used to go, to, he used to yep. give to her campaign. He used to yep. go to her events. So it's interesting to watch him flip to, oh, she's crooked Hillary. I'm like, so question, was she crooked Hillary and when she was just New York State Senator or was she not? Bill and Hillary went to his wedding to Melania. Hello. They all used to kick it. They used to be friends. I'm like, That's why I'm like, huh. this, this whole them being crooked and then, mm -hmm. you know, the whole thing with, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and, mm -hmm. oh, Bill's done this. Sir, you were all kicking it at together. Epstein's house together. Together. What, we, what, we, what, we, what we're forgetting, too, is the part that, that the Republicans are so stupid. And he can run as a Republican because they are stupid. Now, he said that some time ago. He did. We got to let that marinate. Mm -hmm. So he's proving the point. He, he've already put that out there. Mm -hmm. So when he started running for president and and, and being in his uh, being his crazy self, mm -hmm. we we seen that happen. But what we didn't know, well, I don't say we, but what a lot of people didn't know is the racist element behind it. Mm -hmm. 
No, you know he's a bad businessman. Man, that's for sure. And he say some outlandish stuff. He very really he was on the record as saying, you know, the Republicans are stupid. He can he can run as a Republican and, and yeah. actually and actually win. Something mm-hmm. to that effect. And, and, and we're seeing that now. And it right. was, and all the other stuff that's coming out about him and how how he moves. Mm-hmm. And and because he's he's from old money. And we got and we gotta think about that too. You know, he's in a t- different quote-unquote, tax bracket. Right. He he literally did not pull, he didn't have no bootstraps to pull up. He wasn't pulling himself up. He came from money. And also, he said it during his campaign, I could shoot someone in the middle of Times Square and broad daylight and not lose any votes. I heard him say that. And he was correct. It was like, yeah. Like, because y'all you know still what? are, like, defending him. I'm like, he wouldn't lose any votes. Literally, that whole video or audio about grabbed him by the pussy, that was days before the election, and them women still voted for him. There was no, oh my God, this is terrible. You he know, because they think that only happens, you know, there was a lot of, mis- there's a lot of internalized misogyny oh, with yeah. the with the trump loyalist women like those nasty women i was like i'm trying to tell you those nasty women those women who dress like that Mm -hmm. you know oh girl women like that Mm -hmm. girls like that they're always throwing themselves at wealthy men at rich men Mm -hmm. and and so on and Uh so forth but you know i want to i want to say one quick thing about him being from old money because you know he actually is not he's really not from when we think about when I think about old money in America, you think about like the Rockefellers, the H- like the those, Hiltons. those fam- yeah, the Hiltons, those families that built up their wealth from, uh, from like the railroad, from from industrialism mm-hmm. of America, and and then of course families that have been here since, you know, they their family or their ancestors arrived on the Mayflower. Mm-hmm. What's really weird to me is how Trump taps into so much of that confederate heritage uh that that type of messaging Mm -hmm. because that's not his heritage nope he is the he's actually a first generation american his parents were immigrants Mm -hmm. he's that's not his heritage your family's from germany Mm -hmm. you're none of none of your ancestors fought in in any they, they didn't fight in the civil war they didn't fight in the revolutionary war they're not you're not from here. This this whole anti-immigration, and he's literally the child of immigrant. You're not from here. Your family's not from here. This whole Confederacy heritage argument. Oh, don't let them pull down those statues. That's our heritage. That's, That's not, not your, your heritage, heritage in any form or fashion. Mm-hmm. You your family isn't from. They only his family only arrived here in the early 1900s. They did. They were. They came years, decades after the Civil War ended. Mm-hmm. That's he's aligned himself so much with these narratives that don't even apply to him. Mm-hmm. And he's not old money. And he's actually a very bad businessman, as we can see, as we all found out recently. Mm-hmm. He's up to his eyeballs in debt. Mm-hmm. He's all of the narratives that he applies to himself have nothing to do with reality. Correct. Correct. He is like it. It really is, he thinks people are boo-boo the fool, and a lot of people who voted for them are boo-boo the fool. Like, uh, you do realize, congratulations, y'all done played yourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't have no problem with you getting scammed by him, 
but voting this person in doesn't just hurt you. This hurts everyone. And this also hurts future generations. There's a lot of Reaganomics that we're still going through. And he was in the 1980s. It's like, I remember when he first got elected, I asked my mother and I was like, who do you think is worse? And this was in 2016 before God knows everything that's happened. I said, who do you think is worse, Reagan or Trump? She said, oh, it's Reagan. She's not saying that now. But when he first got in, she's like, oh, Reagan was, te- Reagan was terrible. It was a terrible time. I was like, yeah. So, so to watch the misinformation about Hillary and then just the anger. And the other anger I wanted to talk about is from the Bernie bros, the Bernie or bust people, because I will never forget on election night, maybe it was a day after, a few days after when they were um, putting out the stats on, you know, the demographics and how people voted. I will never forget the fact that 30% of the people who voted for Donald Trump that's 65 million. 30% of 65 million people only voted for him because they did not like Hillary. We have literally gotten to this point that we have been very privileged to have a president that was universally liked. And now they're like, I don't, just, we're so used to having a candidate that we like that when it's a candidate, when you... You don't necessarily like, but you know it's for the greater good. You guys don't understand that. And I'm like, my first election was John, was Al Gore. Not exactly everybody's favorite, but you knew he was better than Bush. (laughs) And then the 2004 election was John Kerry. A lot of people have just been, a lot of people, when you think about it, we don't talk about 2004 a lot because, well, we don't want to talk about how we got John Kerry like i man it's like i i don't he's not charlene i'm serious he's not memorable i'm like i don't even know what his platform was i I don't even remember it was just like literally people just i was like i don't know because i was talking to a buddy of mine jay because somebody had put on twitter they're like in 32 years no republican has won the popular vote and the electoral college and i went so this is how google is your friend because it was very easy for me to debunk that. 32 years ago was 19, 1988, I believe. And that was the election of George H.W. Bush. He did win the popular vote and the electoral college. I was like, so that's not true. But also 2004, George Bush won the popular vote and the electoral college. It was like, but we... Because my brother Jay was like, oh, shit, I forgot about 2004. That's right. He sure did win the popular vote. Like, yeah, we all forget about 2004. It's probably in, in my voting lifetime, that's probably the least memorable election that I've ever been a part of. And it was the second one for me. I'm like, I don't remember what he was running on. I don't remember what he was talking about. I have no idea. I don't even know if this man is still alive. Like, that is just how I think about John Kerry. I'm like, seriously, what the hell did he run on? I'm like, I don't know. But this is why I'm like, I'm not a poli-sci person. So somebody else with poli-sci could probably tell y'all. John Kerry, he ended up, he was Secretary of State after Hillary left? Maybe. I have no idea. I'm like, I... 
sitting here like, seriously, I have no idea what his platform was when he was running for president. I have no idea. I have none. I have no idea. It's like, I don't, I don't remember what he stood for. Oh, bless you, Cruz. Yeah, he was Secretary of State from 2013 to 2017. Okay. Yeah, so he must be still with us. I'm so, I'm so sorry to John Kerry's family because I'm sitting here like, I don't know. Is he still alive? I don't know. Yes. Um, but that 30% of 65 million who voted for him just because they didn't like Hillary, I really want people to understand there were probably a lot of Bernie bros over there because they refused to vote for Hillary Clinton. Literally voting against your best interest because your buddy wasn't, the person that you wanted was not the candidate. So it's really funny to watch people who are like, we can't let this white, white man not going to save us, but you need to vote for Bernie Sanders. I'm like, I'm sorry, isn't he a white man? <laughs> Did I miss that part about him not being, is he a, is he not a white man or, or am I just blind? Because <laughs> I feel like he is a white man who told y'all, don't play identity politics. That is not a good plan. And also the day after Trump got elected said, we need to work with him. So to watch him do that, I was like, see, that's y'all boy. Your boy told us that we need to work with Donald Trump a day or two after the election. Mm-hmm. You can kiss my whole fucking ass. You lost your goddamn mind. It's like, uh, so Bernie, fuck you. Fuck you, Bernard. And that's how I felt about him. And here's the tea. If he had gotten the nomination for the Demo- Democratic Party, I would have voted for his ass. Because that's how... I'm sorry, I'm that determined. I need y'all to hate Trump a little bit more. Just a little bit. Just just, just a scotch. And- See, I feel like that comes down to a real... Like for me, it's it's a matter of life and death, and not everyone is going to be affected by a Trump presidency or mm-hmm. uh, a second term of Trump the way we are. I mean, we're all here uh, on this show as 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 black women, and so I feel like for us, it's life or death. Mm-hmm. For us, we're going to be impacted in ways. We're going to be receiving the brunt of the anti-Black policies. We're going to be receiving the misogynist policies. And it's all going to be uh, pummeling towards us. I feel like the the intersectionality of how it's going to impact us, Mm -hmm. not everyone experiences that. So it's, "Mm, I didn't get the candidate i wanted so i'm gonna vote for the obvious nightmare right what why the hell would you do that why the hell would you why would that be a goddamn answer for you because you're not going to be impacted because you can you can fuck off your vote because it won't matter down the line yeah and even if trump loses on tuesday we are going to still like we said in the beginning of the show there's going to be so much unpacking we're going to have to be doing for the next 20 years Mm -hmm. the brunt of it falling on the shoulders of black women and so they have the privilege of fucking off their vote and voting for an absolute monster because it's not going to affect them the same way yeah because it's like when people say they said 2016 was the lesser of two evils i'm like no sweetheart it wasn't i can honestly say in the most recent history in my mind, that was Bush 
and Carrie. That is the lesser of two evils. I'm like, yeah, Trump and Hillary, Trump and Clinton, baby, no, that's not even close. That is not lesser of two evils because it literally was John Kerry and George Bush. You're like, huh? He's like, so he's not terrible, terrible, but he's probably not the best choice. And then there's John Kerry. It's like, okay, I'm gonna just vote for John Kerry. That is what I think of when I think of lesser than two evils. And then we got to remember too, because uh, uh, we're looking at it from our lens of education and also from having the information. But mm-hmm. we got to remember too, we, we, there's election interference. Then there was this narrative about two things that was um, going out that that drove um, the dislike of Hillary Clinton. And we're talking about super predator from 1994 crime bill. Mm-hmm. That kept being repeated repeated over and over and Benghazi. Mm-hmm. Even though it's clear that it, it it's almost like it, it's stuck in people's minds that those are the two things that just basically cancel her. And then of course it's like, well I really don't like her. And it's like, well what pre- what president, what pre- presidential candidate uh, have you known personally that you can cozy up with and like we're not voting for personality. We're voting for our This is energy. not high school. This is not a high school presidency. This is for the United States. This is not a high school election. Right. When you're voting for the cheerleader, what are you doing? But but this is how we... we well, it's almost like this is what's going on in America, period. And you can say the most simple thing, if it catches someone, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll take a chance on it. Mm-hmm. No. Look where we are right now. Look at our standing across the globe. Right. We are the laughing stop. You know, my friend Brandon brought up Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson from the UK is, they, they were calling him the British Trump. Boris Johnson also got COVID because he was talking about the whole before he got COVID, COVID's a hoax. It's not that serious. He got COVID. Then all of a sudden he changed his tune. It's like, we're getting, this is really serious and we need to do something. He's about to shut the UK back down. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, he got COVID and was like, I was wrong. This is terrible. We're going to fix this. Our president got COVID and still is talking the same bullshit. It's like, oh no, Ugh. like you can conquer it. A lot of people are just like, I don't understand. And like, they're saying, they were acting like because he's a white man, that's why he got the best care. I'm like, baby, it's because he's the president of the United States. Exactly. It's like, it has nothing with it. Like, Hey, hi! You don't want to be the doctor that kills the <laughs> kills POTUS. You don't want to be on that malpractice suit. <laughs> no. Then also, does. <laughs> it's like he has. I mean, it's not so much he's. You know, like you said, he's not that he's just a, a white man. He's the president. He has the best medical. You don't have medical care like Trump has medical care. Right. Your ass will be at the county hospital on a one hour ventilator. Then they got to switch you out with another patient. You aren't going, and and I feel, I guess on some level, I still just feel really bad for the people who receive this misinformation. Because of mm-hmm. course, you know, up until leading up until uh, election day, he's going to be holding rallies, mm-hmm. and those people, you know, we see the spikes after he leaves. We see the spikes mm-hmm. um, in the COVID cases from the places that he's visited. Yeah, and I just think about how people feel so encouraged and they feel safe 
because they figured, oh, you know, he's in the, the high risk demographic being 74, being overweight, mm-hmm. having poor hygiene. Um, you, you, I, I feel scared for the people who feel encouraged because it's like you have nowhere near access to the stuff that he had access to at Walter Reed. You, yeah. you, you're not going to get anywhere near. I have Kaiser and Kaiser is one of the best hospitals in the world. Mm-hmm. And I will not have anywhere near access to what he had access to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, people forget that. It's like, it's because he's white. Like, no, it's because he's the president. It's like, that's, that's where, that trumps everything. Okay. It's like, Barack Jimmy Obama would have got the same care. Exactly. Barack Obama would have got the same care. But yeah. it's when you're the leader of the free world and you have, you know, uh, you know, top secret, uh, trial medication Mm -hmm. at your available, you know, stem cells, just being injected. You have the, the highest quality physicians, the brightest, Mm -hmm. the best and the brightest over your care. Yeah. You, you would survive. You, it would be, it, it would, it would, one would can imagine, guess you would survive. This COVID is survivable. Mm-hmm. In the sense that you have access to what you need to treat it, right? And even then, we still don't know what the long-term effects of COVID is going to be on his body. I still right. don't believe he he talked about his lungs and his lungs look like they had an infection. I would be I would be surprised if he lived past eighty at this point. Probably because not. he's had COVID and the way it affects the lungs and the way mm-hmm. it affects the rest of the body. So I'd be surprised if he lived anything past 80 at this point. Correct. I honestly would be too. So let's dive into another topic. So we are at decision 2020. So I'm going to loop a lot of stuff in that's going on for this election cycle. So for this election cycle, we've had the rise of the backlash to Obama. We've gotten the contrarian culture. And then we have our men of the hippity hops deciding that they are the culture leaders and they Not the are the ones, hops. you know, you know, I love saying Not the hippity hops, the hippity hops. <laughs> uh, they want to be like, I know what's best for the hood because I came from the hood and half of y'all did not, but sure, let's talk about the hood and what you know best. Let's, let's talk about that. So it's very interesting to watch a lot of people and it's mostly on social media. I will say a lot of people who are like on social media, especially Twitter were very confused as to why Biden got the nomination. And I saw a article and the first sentence made everything so clear that I don't understand why people didn't notice that. They're like, why didn't you vote for Bernie Sanders? Because he is not a Democrat. That was it. They're like, no, what? Hey, that's it. And the thing about it is, Bernie, if you really wanted this nomination, why didn't you just join the party? You didn't want to, but then you feel like this nomination is owed to you. Why? You're not a Democrat. And for a lot of Black people in the South, that matters. They're like, no, no, we work too hard for our vote to just throw it away to third party. Because there's some people who, I don't knock third party voters. There are a lot of people like, 
I don't see where you think your vote is going to go. So there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, I fought too hard to get my vote. So no, I'm not going to quote unquote throw it away on Bernie Sanders. But for the primaries, primaries is your wish list of a candidate. Mm -hmm. So you can pick who you think. Because in Maryland, we used to be earlier in the primary season. Then we got pushed to like, what, May or June? And the person I wanted to vote for, because Kamala was already out, was Elizabeth Warren. And it was like, she's not even there now. But I think they had already printed the ballots, though she was there. But it was like, she's not even in a race. I don't. I voted for Elizabeth. She was still on the ballot she was still in the race when it mm -hmm. came time because they moved california's primaries up to mm -hmm. march right. so um i did vote for elizabeth i did not vote for bernie because also did not like what he said to that um young african-american teenage boy about respecting the police and you won't get your head knocked in i was mm -hmm. like now see now see you didn't did all that marching when martin luther king now you think you, you can keep say telling something. us you won't let us forget it's like yes we know bernard yeah, you yeah. were there with martin luther king yes we know yeah. you're gonna pull up this random ass photo that someone found right but but you still talking that anti-black shit so you know mm -hmm. no For sure he bernie's your man killer mike keep you keep reminding us bernie yo man isn't bernie from vermont Yes. We're talking less than 1% African-American population. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he going to speak for Black people. I'm like, how many Black people he know that don't make the hippity-hop music? None. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say none. I feel like he don't know. Yeah, I mean, because I have experiences with Vermont, so... <laughs> 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 I mean, it, 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 it's kind of hard to... Uh, he lives in a different world, period. Mm -hmm. So even if they, and with white progressives, even when they say they're progressive, they're really not as progressive as they think they are. Because they'll slip up and say some stuff and we're like, wait a minute, what what was that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, he's no different. And because he's much older and, mm -hmm. and he established a life, so I, I feel like there still is that disconnect. Yeah. There's too much of a disconnect to really say, okay, Bernie's the person. I'm like, Bernie right. was never the person for this party because he's not a part of this party. It's like, you got to be in the party <laughs> to be a part of the party. You're like, oh, he speaks for us. I'm like, does he now? <laughs> does he? Interesting. Interesting. So yeah. okay. the other thing about social media is that you had the rise of the Black contrarians who make life so, so tired. You make me so, so tired because it becomes... I am the wokest person. Everybody wanted to be in the woke Olympics and tell y'all how wrong y'all were about Obama. And I don't know why you praising him. And he was not all that great. And I don't know why y'all keep popping him up on a pedestal. Him and Michelle, they be disparaging black people. They're telling these black people, um, all these black boys, you saying they need daddies. How dare you prop up Barack Obama? And it's like, It's interesting that you have never said anything about Donald Trump. I've watched um, Tavis did this. Mark Lamont Hill, who and I quote said, I haven't, I've been voting third party for 20 years. 
this was the first year that I voted for a Democrat, meaning that you didn't vote for Obama in neither election. So you voted for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's the other guy who likes to say brother Bernard. Um, why am I blanking on his name? He likes to go on Bill Maher's show. He's a black guy with glasses. Why am I blanking on his name? Oh, well, I'll come to it's like I'm blanking on his name. But the reason why he doesn't like Obama has nothing to do with Obama policy. He was just mad that he didn't get invited somewhere. So now it's been fuck Obama for him for quite some time. And Cornell West. <laughs> they don't part their lips to talk about Donald Trump. They haven't. They didn't talk about him when he was campaigning. They didn't talk about it when he got elected. They haven't talked about him in years because it, it always gives me pause when I hear Black people be very, very critical about Barack Obama. Sidebar, I don't think anybody is above reproach, but I feel like y'all are not fair in that. And that rubs, that upsets me and my homegirl. Because if you're going to be critical of uh, politicians, be critical across the board. But it seems right. like you always got the smoke for Obama, but you have not parted your lips to talk about what's going on with the person who is supposed to be running this country. Cornell West ain't said shit about Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Tavis Smiley ain't said shit about Donald Trump. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You know, there's, there's this, you know, you saw my post about folks who, like the, the issues that they have with Obama, it's not mm -hmm. even really like his policies. They're not Mm -hmm. just that they lean more conservative or maybe they think his policies are too liberal, which is fine if you want to critique someone's Policy. policies, mm -hmm. but they mm -hmm. seem to be, uh, you know, and I don't know if I'm right, but I just have a feeling there's just feelings of jealousy. Yeah. And it's it sounds like, I don't, I don't like throwing that out there. Like, Oh, you're just jealous. Cause it's, it's like a, it's, it mm. seems like a shallow reasoning, but it feels very envious when you and and one will probably argue that it's like, you know, I, they critique him because they might expect more from him. I don't think anybody black expected anything outside of Donald Trump than what he's given us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't know he was going to be this bad but we knew he was going to be, be full of shit and he delivered yeah. he yeah. delivered and i i think maybe they had expectations around barack obama too that they didn't deliver he didn't deliver on but i also again you know uh refer back to our earlier conversation about you know there's only so much the president can do a lot of the issues that you feel um, need to be fixed, need to be addressed on a local level. Mm -hmm. So wanting the black, you know, him to be some political black savior, he can mm -hmm. advocate for, you know, he can say like, you know, as on a national platform, this is something that we need to address and whatever that issue may be. But, you know, there are still things that we need to work on within our own communities, within our own states within mm -hmm. our own, you know, counties and, and so forth, that, again, Barack Obama's been gone now for four years, and y'all still bring that man's name up. Like, yeah. we de dealing with a whole different demon at this point. We got a so, new regime, honey. We, you got right. to get like, with so the program. Why do y'all keep bringing... And I feel like we didn't... I think we talked about Bush for, like, maybe a year after. Mm -hmm. 
while we were still dealing with the effects of the um of, of the the great recession right but i feel like we did not talk about bush as long as folks keep bringing up Obama. like why are y'all still bringing up that nigga's name i'm so, tired of talking about him i feel like a part of it is and if you bring this up to people they'll be like no that's not it it's because he got a white mama and then it becomes oh well he ain't black black he half black which okay y'all are telling on yourselves real quickly <laughs> it's like you are telling on yourselves real quickly because they're like y'all need to stop saying he's the first black president he is a mixed race president i'm like but if you saw okay. Barack Obama walking down the street, you, you would wouldn't think, think he was mixed would, anyway. Right, right. It's like there's his a lot. Pheno, it's like, his phenotype is, is, I mean, he's no, he's no lighter than, than he's like maybe a shade lighter than me and I have two black parents. So what does that matter? If you, Child. if he would have never said that his mother was white, right. I, you, no one would assume you that he was know. biracial. You wouldn't yeah. know. So it's like, why are y'all doing this? So it's interesting. They're measuring his blackness and it's always so weird. And they didn't, I think a lot of, for all of us, we've all worked in corporate and we know how to keep it corporate. And for some people, for some black people, they don't like that. They're like, why can't you just be yourself? I'm like, what if this is himself? This man is a Ivy League educated black man. And it wasn't like a, he's not a white passing black person. And not at all. That's so what I like, don't get. You can't even say that he's not. So when people bring up the drone strikes as if he has any say on the budget for the military that has increased every year, there's more drone strikes because they had more money. It's like, what do you, of course you're going to do this. So it's interesting to bring up that and to bring up you bombing, quote unquote, bombing brown countries, which the countries were bombed. Please don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying at okay. all. But you're acting like y'all cared about that. You don't, it's not that you care. You just want to say, see, y'all ain't saying nothing about this. I'm like, did you say it when he was in office? Or did you not? Or are you saying it now because... 400 years of damage to our people was not fixed in eight years. There's no fucking way that could have happened. I don't know why. When six of those years, he had a red Congress. It's not possible. I'm very confused as why you thought he could be like the genie from Aladdin and just poof, every racism is gone. Also, I want people to just be clear and like, let, like oh. let's Let's just cut through the shit, okay? What you all want is reparations. Just say you just thought say a it. black president was gonna issue out reparations checks like Bush did with the stimulus and you thought you were just gonna get a check and he didn't deliver on that, mm -hmm. which he never said he was. Correct. And that's just, because people, they haven't done enough. What is done enough? What is, what enough? is done enough? Because there was a thread, a gentleman wrote a thread on Twitter that that listed items that were passed through the Obama administration that directly affected Black life. And we talk about, you know, the ACA. Mm -hmm. The majority of folks that were underinsured or not insured were Black. 
having access to health care is pertinent to your life. Mm-hmm. And if black people are underinsured or not insured at all, that affects our black lives and our black communities. You know, there were tax credits. If you were buying a home, there were, the thread was filled with tons of things. Mm-hmm. And then, so one black man fixes his mouth to say, well, we didn't have anything that was directly for us, like how they do for the DACA recipients or gay marriage. I'm sorry, they're not gay black people who got married. Are there not black DACA recipients? What is you would I'm think confused. that there wasn't? It's like this is what happens when you think queer shit is white shit. So then you ignore all the black people that it actually did help. There's there black black gay people got married. <laughs> so it was like that. where is like why you had to like quote unquote queer shit is that's for white people. Like it's so interesting to watch. Queerness is for white people. They don't, it's white shit. Feminism is only for white women, but the face of blackness are, is black men. And we're always like, how interesting that you think that black women are, and so black women are sitting in the middle like, so what do I do? I mean, am I not black? Ain't I a woman? I mean, it's like very, a lot going on. And it's just like, where are y'all where are y'all getting this from? Where, where are you getting this from? It's like, what? Hmm. It's almost like it's limited access to information. And, and so it, it, it takes off and, and people bring their own um, assessment and analysis of what they believe or what they think is happening. And, mm. and, and without the, the facts, without the messaging, without the information that's before them, they're running off of what they think is, and the mm-hmm. fact that, and, and it's almost like we do this to ourselves. We, we, we put this extraordinary expectation on us, and then, and then when, when we don't do it, and it's like, see, see, you know, they didn't do this thing. So mm-hmm. I, I say that to tie it in with Barack Obama, and the fact that we, 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 his name is still being put out there. They're still uttering his name. Mm-hmm. And then he still tried to tie it into a, well, he didn't do anything. And, and so, well, first and foremost, what was presented to him? And then what got presented, and, and Courtney mentioned it, is the fact that when it got presented and he tried to push for it, then what happened? And it was like, every time. And where is this? And it may be a segue into what you're about to talk about now. Where was the black agenda when he was in office? Correct. And why we all say we, we hear more of that now, reparations, you know, black agenda and all that stuff. And then try to say, well, the last president didn't do it. So mm-hmm. we're looking for somebody to do it. Damn, it's like, well, would you not prepare for this? Because anytime sitting senator that had, that had won the primary mm-hmm. and became the nominee, you already know that this is going to be a real thing. Correct. That and, is- and also to what you're saying, Charlene, about it's you know, this black agenda, this, this titling of, mm-hmm. of these plans. Mm-hmm. One person within that thread, I was referring to where the gentleman laid out all of the things that were passed through the Obama administration mm-hmm. that directly impacted black people, you know, and people were nay saying it. It's like, you know, he didn't do something specific for us. Well, why does it have to be labeled specific for black people for it to make mm-hmm. impact for black? Like, does it have to be this is the black health plan. Like it doesn't have to be labeled black health care, black mm-hmm. 
black mortgage credit. It doesn't have to be labeled that for it to have impact in our lives. And it's like, why does it have to come pack it? Also, when you talk about what Barack Obama was facing, things honestly couldn't be packaged as just this plan, whatever it may be, mm. whatever issue, the black plan. Correct. Because they would have lost their, oh, here he is, black supremacy. Uh, they would have lost their minds. You so, know what, Courtney? You bring up a good point. That, right. You know what that makes me think of? Um, body cams for pres- for the police. Mm-hmm. Obama pushed that, but he knew yeah. how to say it. So that was in one it. of that was in the thread. That was in yeah, the thread. It the was body like cams. you realize he said the way he said it to um, the community, like civilians, was this way we can keep the police honest. He said it to police that. So this way, if you know you're not doing any misconduct, you have proof that you didn't do it. He knows how to be, he knew what to say. Because right. he had just presented it the one way, police unions would be like, oh, we're not signing off on this shit. Yeah, messaging. It's, right, messaging. it's like messaging works. He's like, he said the same message two different ways to do different communities because he just went the way of just talking about well this is just so the police can have proof it's like wait a minute why did, so basically our word doesn't mean anything now see right. that's how that works right like he knows how to talk this is how diplomacy really works you and have then, to say things to get everybody on board for the same idea and then also what i think people don't realize and recognize is that when policy is crafted there's mm-hmm. research that is done before right. policy is crafted. So right. when it came to creating the ACA, Barack Obama and his, his team of policymakers and, and, and folks who write legislation, they already knew and understood that Black people were underinsured, that Black right. people made up the, the, the demographic of the most uninsured mm-hmm. or underinsured Americans. Mm-hmm. They know that because that's how policy gets written there's research there's policy analysts that Mm -hmm. do this groundwork before policy is even written so the fact that it's not specifically titled the black plan doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they don't know what type of impact it's going to have for black people correct correct and that is a very good segue to our next topic the contract with black america (laughs) so if I say the name O'Shea Jackson Sr., some of you may not know who that is. But if I say Ice Cube, some of you still may not know who it is because, well, he hasn't made music in a long time. However, you probably know him anyway because you've probably seen Are We There Yet. So Mr. Jackson decided that he, would, he is going to take on the task of creating a contract with Black America. So he decided to put out, he started workshopping not really workshopping basically telling everybody he got this plan that's going to fix everything for everybody and he's going to help us quote unquote us so you've probably heard in the last few months or anybody who is you know either on social media yeah social media really because not really i don't think really on the news but you've heard a lot of black men and this you know i don't know if i can pinpoint it to a certain point, but probably around the time that Joe Biden said his VP candidate was Kamala Harris. All of a sudden, then it became, oh, well, y'all going to have to earn our vote. We are literally in a pandemic. And some people, 
mostly a lot of Americans got a check in maybe April or May for $1,200. It is now November. There has been no second stimulus, no third stimulus. They're not even talking about a stimulus until after the election. And oh yeah, Mitch McConnell adjourned the Senate until the end of the month. So yeah, how about that? So Ice Cube decided to go out of his way because he was not busy apparently. He had time you know, outside is closed. So I guess he had time to write a contract with Black America. He has gone on a few different news programs. Um, there is a young woman, I'm saying young, because she's probably younger than I am, who is team Kamala Harris. Um, they were all, and I think she does shows with Roland Martin, and they were, they read over, they hadn't read it fully yet, um, his contract for Black America. She had read it because it's on a whole website. She asked him the very good question is like, um, so Black women aren't represented in your contract. He kind of hemmed and hawed and said, mm -mm, well, I eat your... Then he went on a red table talk and he told Jada and Gammy and Willow that it took the death of George Floyd in May of 2020 for him to write a contract with Black America. This is a 50-something-year-old Black man from Los Angeles, California, home of one of the most, if not the, corrupt police departments in our country. But it took the death of George Floyd in May 2020 for you to say you have to do something. So he put out this 22-page PDF with um, inconsistencies and I'm not just talking about um, grammatical errors I mean like it's just a ridiculous uh, it's just a ridiculous document um, it's 22 pages and it's about black when did wealth. they get to 22 pages you said 22 pages it's 22 pages mm -hmm. when was it 22 pages did he add to it is this a living document where he's just is he, Girl, is he Google sheeting this where he's so just adding when it? I, when Brandon was on the show, I think a few weeks ago, it, when I pulled it up, it said 22 pages. So he probably was giving the idea and, and decided to put it out because it's on his website. <clears throat> um, and I will tell you this, it is a WordPress site because it's got WP in it. And I'm like, you are a rich person and you're putting this on WordPress. Okay. All right. We're, we're here. Okay. So it's a lot to read, but shout out to Brittany Daniel who decided to put a thread together to give everybody the play, you know, the, the hits. Okay. <clears throat> so in this contract, Ice Cube has no problem with capitalism. And that's the other part of contrarian culture. They're saying death to capitalism and death to celebrity worship and shut up and open your purse. But Ice Cube, while capitalism is a good system, it requires capital to participate. But the thing that he's not talking about is that you also need cheap labor. You can't pay people a lot of money and expect to get a lot of money. That's not how that happens. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. All right. Next part. <laughs> this is from the plan. 
Venture capital and private equity funds that take money from police unions or other public entities must invest 13.4% of their total funds in Black-owned businesses. So police unions, okay. police departments are billion-dollar businesses. 13.4%. Police unions have very big budgets. Um, very big departments have big budgets, billions of dollars, but only 13.4% should go into black businesses. But how, who's going to, who, where does that oversight come in? Who's going to, who's, who's going to exercise that demand? Mm. <laughs> you know, he ain't got no answer. So I'll just keep going because he ain't got no answer. So next part. Currently, the black population is overrepresented in the military as 17% of soldiers are black. The percentage of black enlisted soldiers is even higher. To compensate for this disproportionate contribution to our national defense, 5% of the defense department's budget will be allocated towards beautification, education, and youth programs in predominantly black neighborhoods. Such programs will build goodwill towards the country resulting in greater patriotism, more successful recruitment efforts, and a generally more enthusiastic military population. Uh, how? Um, sorry? <laughs> it's like, how? I, how? What? How? You know, it's interesting that he said overrepresented at 17%. Like, why are you... How is it 17 that? out of 25? Is that what you're... D- 17 so we're talking about 17% out of, out of 100. Yeah. And the Black population is 13% of the country. Mm-hmm. So that's not... And over. also, how does... If we're talking about military spending, mm-hmm. it seems as if that you would want to keep that you would want to allocate funds for mental health services for soldiers, right. especially since black and brown soldiers have higher rates of PTSD. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, mental health services, because that uh, I wasn't around during the time, but I do know that uh, we talk about, um, a lot of black soldiers that came back from Vietnam suffered a lot of mental health and um, issues around addiction and mm-hmm. investment into their mental health and addiction uh, recovery services could have prevented that down spiral that affected a lot of black communities when those vets came back. Mm-hmm. So if we want to talk about reinvesting in our veterans. That would be, I don't need military money invested in the park up the street i need my veterans to be healthy and safe said beautification i'm like what so we're gonna keep and you going don't like to make that part with the war too because now you got you look at afghanistan there's a st- uh, shield mm-hmm. there's a storm right mm-hmm. like the recent ones and where we have you um, black veterans that that's still that's suffering and actually dealing with ptsd and and uh, and also the 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 majority of the veterans that are experiencing homelessness are black. Mm-hmm. So right. then there's also yeah. that. So right. I don't understand. Okay. 
Yes. Go ahead. So the next part, next. Black <laughs> Americans' responsibility. Uh-oh. My favorite. Chronic poverty creates an atmosphere full of negativity, frustration, hopelessness, depression, alcoholism, drug abuse, crime, and violence. These are some of conditions. These are some of conditions that plague the see continuity issues because this is straight from the fucking site. There are some. These are some of conditions. It's a word. Oh, this is driving me nuts. That plague the black community, which is dealing with extreme generational poverty. As we begin to gain social and economic equality, it is our duty to clean up ourselves and our community. The, this contract is a two-way street. As we, as, as we gain. Yeah. Okay. As we gain social and economic equality, we must begin to dissolve, dissolve any bitterness in our hearts for past wrongs. We bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we must become better citizens who are more productive on all levels of American society. We really must step up after we pass the contract with Black America, with no more excuse left in the kitty. Not kitty, but kitty. K-I-D-D-I-E. That's what he wrote. He meant kitty. K-I-T-T-Y. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Our entertainers should be persuaded to deliver more positive content that leads our youth to make better choices in life. A new pride must develop with these new opportunities, and we must fight against negativity, frustration, hopelessness, depression, alcoholism, drug abuse, crime, and violence. This part is in the contract written by a man who was in a group called Niggas with Attitude <laughs> and the West Side Connection. Wait and a minute, he wrote wait a, a movie called The Players Club. Are you fucking kidding me? But wait a minute. But wait a minute. So does he recognize that the capitalism that he holds so dear Mm -hmm. is the driving force behind poverty. Poverty is man-made. The effects of poverty are the depression, the addictions, all of the things that he listed. Poverty <laughs> is man-made. We have to policy our way out of poverty. Mm. And also the fact that this, this, this narrative around folks who make lower incomes mm -hmm. that they are just not trying hard enough to be rich right. the the utmost disrespect because when i say when i said earlier in the program that it's like until america really unpacks its shit with anti-black racism mm -hmm. with white supremacy mm -hmm. Anti-Black racism is why Black people are disproportionately represented in folks who work lower income positions. Mm -hmm. It's all wrapped up in all of our systems, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You need policy analysts. You need people who understand how we got here to mm -hmm. help you craft policies to get back through and get us on the right track. But see, he doesn't have that know-how. And because nope. he's an egomaniacal type of nigga, he's not going to reach out 
and get involved with organizations who are doing this type of work. He's not going to get involved with organizations that are working to deconstruct capitalism. They're not, he's not going to get involved with organizations that help with redirecting funds for after school program. He's not going to get involved with none of these people. He's not going to connect with any of these people who are educated in these type of issues. So he says stupid shit like this that's just regurgitating what white people have said to us ever since we stopped working for free that we're just not trying hard enough not to be poor. He might as well just said, what about black on black crime? As, as if that didn't come from the Nixon administration. White people right. made that shit up. And it's like, you're talking about the beautification. I'm just like, right. That's not a real thing. There's no such as a, there's no such thing as a black crime. And you're ignoring all the organizations. Cause we have a couple here in Baltimore who actually clean up parks. They actually go out and beautify the community because they're tired of waiting for white people to care. And, and like, also when we, we talk care. about when we talk about all those things that plight poor neighborhoods, those happen in poor neighborhoods no matter the demographic. In Correct. white poor neighborhoods, there's an increase of addiction, substance abuse issues, of violence, of of all of the ills because it, the the issue is poverty and the way it impacts people who are experiencing it. That is not specific to black people. So why do black people have to, we've got to clean up our act in poverty. No, that's the impact is poverty. Poverty, once poverty is alleviated, the majority of those issues will solve themselves. Correct. But now, no now going we're at, inferior. People go after the projects, but they don't go after the trailer park. Right. No, people don't right. go after them. I'm like, they're kind of like on this. If you think about the they're hood, this, they're, they're like the same, the same thing. And it's interesting too. And we got to remember too, and we got to say this too that black people live in trail parks as well. Correct. So this whole thing of ra- racializing uh, urban versus rural landscaping, but at the crux of it is poverty, and we, we got to deal with that part of it in, in such a way, like like Courtney said it. Everything is taken care of. Literally, a lot of your problems are taken care of when you eradicate property. So until we get to that point, then it's this whole this whole thing where is and, and, and let's be let's be clear too. We are disproportionately impacted by poverty, and then think yes. about how how this whole thing comes about where it's. it's oh, sh- 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 <laughs> That, that, that's a lot that's that whole that black so when jared kushner was talking it's very interesting for ice cube to act like jared kushner didn't sit with you for two hours <laughs> he sat with you for two hours and you were like oh my god he's just making this up but then you see this part of the plan and i'm like did he make this up because <laughs> he seems like he got a few points from you and i just i find that really just that is just so conniving and offensive that mm-hmm. he would this is a so two-way street that-, <laughs> that we that black people somehow we have to prove our worthiness you have in to a, be worthy this contract. of us fixing it for you we Not- need we need to prove we have to show up to, we have to, we have to bring our this country. We have to bring our. I don't have to bring my best self to America when America has never showed me her best self. First and foremost, like let's right. get one yeah. thing clear: America is in in debt to us. First Correct. and foremost, 
we have never been paid and, and he got some damn nerve with this boosty ass contract and then they'll sit up and and do their whole you know american descendants of slavery shit and talk about how we're owed reparations but i got a tap dance for them to honor some fake ass contract written by some has-been girl if you don't get off my fucking phone playing with me i refuse i refuse good child so next point <clears throat> Black businesses who receive loans per lending reforms with over 100 employees will employ at least 50% non-Black employees. So... What? What? Yeah. So Is that a typo? No. <laughs> so... You only have to employ 50% um... You have to employ 50% non-black um, if you receive loans. But as we can see during this pandemic, a lot of small businesses, mainly black businesses, did not receive those loans. Right. But you're saying per lending reforms, what? What's a lending, lending reforms? reforms. Per, per lending reforms. It's like, like according to the lending reforms, it's like, mm. um, he don't know what the fuck he's talking about. This is when I know you didn't talk to anybody because this is the next part, and I know it's going to prick Charlene's ear when I say when I read this. <clears throat> As part of the twenty percent of diverted police budgets, community groups will be organized to work with troubled youth and will have a specific mandate to also. Decrease black on black violent crime, other crime, and address gang violence. Community what is other crime? Mm-hmm. What's the other crime? Get What's other crime? Probably not sexual assault. I've seen the Players Club. Community groups will make themselves mm-hmm. available in their neighborhoods to provide mentoring and community based leadership. They already fucking do that. They're, they're doing that. We're doing that. We're doing that. We're doing Are you that. Fucking okay, but that's how you know he didn't talk to nobody. That's how you absolutely know he didn't talk to nobody. Go ahead, Charlene. No, no. No, no. I was like, get Charlene. It's like he said this with his whole fucking chest in this goddamn contract. I'm like, right. Community groups already do all of this. This is what happens when you make too much money and you're out and people You're out of touch. Yeah, and he's out of that tax bracket of the working folks. Wait a minute, what'd you say, Charlene? I can't hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Am I close enough now? Yeah. <laughs> right. When you're in another tax bracket, when you're in another income, and you're totally out of tax, so then you're in your silos, you're in your bubble. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, when you think that everybody... It's supposed to come to you as opposed to you doing the hard work to go in into the communities and find out what is already happening. The streets are taking care of it. The grassroots are, are doing it, but you just don't know because you don't want to talk to them. Really and see, if he would have talked to somebody, he would know what the organization's need is. Right. Money, which he has a lot of, and he could give away. And he could help with... Be- organizations being able to expand their operations, being able to expand their impact using 
um, not having to go after uh, grants, which can have some stipulations. Mm-hmm. He could give unrestricted donation, you know, donations, funds, mm-hmm. um, in-kind donations. But he don't want to do all that because everybody wants to be a goddamn leader. Everyone wants to be a thought leader. Everyone wants to be an innovator. And it's mm-hmm. like, nigga, just open your wallet and give money. Shut up and, and open your up. purse. Like, <laughs> open and- your purse. The fuck! I was like, you're no, the same stuff that they already do. You that is so a this, Google search. This, but does he think like there are no organizations that mentor? Because literally, this is a Google search. Like, like you said, this isn't even in depth. This research. isn't even like down a rabbit hole. It's this literally like a forty five second Google search. This isn't data intensive information that has to be cultivated over time. You can literally just Google black youth organizations hello and google will will handle that for you and Correct. you'll have lists and lists you can do it by state you could do it by city you could do it by county mm-hmm. you i don't even know i don't get it it's like i was like what like you you don't know anything so focus on the black family oh god Mm-hmm. any agenda that sincerely seeks to promote the best interests of the african-american community must strive to restore the black family so here's my thing you african-americans is not synonymous with black because there are caribbean americans and also black british people mm. It's like, it's not, it's not synonyms because it's, never mind. N- let me not go there. <clears throat> Must strive to restore the black family unit of man, woman, and child slash children, whether in the nuclear family or the extended family version that has also, that has also been prominent throughout history. The father, mother, child paradigm has always been the hub of any strong people, society, and civilization. Indeed, that is why those opposed to African-American advancement have long focused on destroying the Black family, largely through the disempowerment of the Black male. To highlight and grumble about father... (laughs) Girl, we getting there. To to highlight and grumble about fatherlessness while handicapping Black males with presumed criminalization, inferior educational and career opportunities, and mass incarceration incarceration is at best counterproductive and at worst hypocritical and duplicitous as policies are implemented to improve the economic educational and judicial realities of african americans the intentional restoration of black boys and men is imperative black was not capitalized a brookings institute article published in 2017 stated one thing is clear, educational and economic outcomes for Black men, again, not capitalized, have profound implications for the prosperity of Black families and the prospects of Black children, again, not capitalized, and for racial equity more broadly. Hmm. Who in what does the entire fuck do you think you are? So basically, um, because you're under this impression you obviously have not seen the Twitter debates about a $40 date or giving a woman one of your chicken wings or um, women not a woman changing a tire on a date and her date 
ghosting her or just not calling her back because she had the exact nerve to not wait three hours for a tow truck when she knows how to fucking change a tire and some dude found he was emasculated like i never call her back you have been missing this so basically it's not a man's fault when he decides to um use the pull-out method which is um literally not as effective as you nignogs think it never has been you don't you let the chapa spray you shoot up any club that you come near like this is species too and so you are sitting here saying um we need to go back to the traditional ways of family with a man a woman and child as if somebody is making y'all not commit i'm sorry say it again I said, how heteronormative and gross. How very gross. Literally, I saw a clip of some, I have no idea who this man is, where he was on The Breakfast Club. I know y'all, that is my first mistake. Where he was talking about Black men should be rewarded when they don't cheat. And Charlemagne set out his whole face that, yeah, I haven't cheated since October 2016. I feel like I'm, it's like sobriety. I'm like, how long has he been married again? Uh, longer than that. But it's like you have an you have the options, right? This is what I don't get about like men who think like that. You have the if you are not into sleeping with just your wife, don't get married. Don't get married. You have you totally have that option. But see, what is it is they like to lock down women uh, with mm-hmm. children and or through marriage. And they don't have any uh, desire to be faithful or mm-hmm. not create other children outside that relationship. But what what I it's 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 so Moynihan report of him to say some silly shit like that. Yeah. And 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 I know we're gonna ease into you know there there's this big conversation about how uh, corporate America is using the black woman against the black man mm-hmm. by, you know, putting black women, you know, putting black women through school and giving these big jobs. They feel like they don't need a man and it's destroying the black family. Mm-hmm. And then they're, you know, the, the women are getting more masculine and the, the, the men are getting more feminine. And it's, it's very weird to me. Cause again, mm-hmm. I keep going back to, you need to talk to people who know things Correct. because we know for a fact that black women have always worked out of the home. Mm-hmm. Black women, mm-hmm. this, this ongoing narrative about, you know, the grandmas that stayed at home. My grandmother worked, her mother worked. Mm-hmm. When black women, it might not, obviously, it's a more women across the board nowadays work, period. Mm-hmm. But for the most part throughout history, black women represented the majority of the women in the workforce, in the workforce. because we had to, because mm-hmm. black men were underpaid. And it's like, we had to work as a team, as a family, because mm-hmm. a lot of times you had elders living with you as well. And grandma worked and grandpa was working and we worked together in a family unit, our elders and, and the parents, and sometimes when they were of age, the children, mm-hmm. we had multiple incomes coming into our household because we needed to, because we were underpaid. Okay. This whole right. thing that we, that, that black men are being somehow undercut and undermined by black women working, is just a fucking lie. It's a fucking 
lie. We've mm. always been a communal people, matriarchal at, at that. We've always been mm -hmm. a matriarchal communal people. And white supremacy has put in this individualistic family where it's just your husband and your wife and those kids, and there's no input from elders <coughs> and there's no input from the youth. Correct. Because it's very interesting to watch this play out for a man to actually say it's because you're first blaming the bigger society, but then in some weird way, you're blaming black women too. Right. It's like, I don't know where y'all miss this. Why are you under this impression that we weren't in the fields with you? That we weren't in the house with you? Where are you getting this impression that we went from housewife to working and that's how that went? It's like, baby, what the what fuck you? are you talking about? See, Where are he you doesn't getting know this from. He would know that if he talked to anybody who studied social studies, is any social science, cultural scientist. anthropology, yeah, political science, something. Oh my girl, there's that. too many he people would know out there. That if he asked someone, if he would have tapped in with someone smarter than him, which mm -hmm. he obviously doesn't want to do, he would know that. He would know that. He I think it, the, it was something, I think in, in the mid-60s, it mm -hmm. was something around 40% of Black women worked outside the home. Mm -hmm. Also, mm -hmm. there was um, a newspaper clipping from the early 1900s I'm forgetting the year and I'm forgetting the exact city, but there was a mandate that forced black women to work. Black women were no longer allowed to be housewives. Mm -hmm. You could be jailed if they found out that you did not work. So when we talk about black women have worked outside the home, they've either been forced to work through state mandate. They, when black women have never been, um, extended the 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 same level of femininity around being a housewife as white women mm -hmm. we've never been extended that in a real way mm -hmm. but on top of that we had to work because the wages were so low for black men there's no way the family would have been able to be sustainable they're just right. it, you just didn't make enough money and it wasn't about oh i'm you not letting me be a man okay you nope. want these motherfucking kids to starve what you gonna do cletus like, nobody was stopping you from being a man. It's just that you want it your way. You want to be able to be the man. You want it, like someone to quote unquote take care of your home, but you wanted to fuck three other women on the other side of town. That's not how this works. But then, so when you hear men now talking about, yeah, you need to be like my grandmother. It's like, so <clears throat> please don't think that your grandmama didn't have to put up with shit that, um, excuse me, the joke about Al Green and those grits, hey, that's your grandmother's generation. You want to know why she threw hot grits on his ass? Because he's an abusive, cheating asshole. That's why. Please spare us. It's like, no, we've never had to say, I don't know where you're thinking that. We're right beside you, always propping y'all up. And then you still want to step on us to get to y'all, get to your next gen, your next stop. You shit on us, and then the world shits on us too. But then you have no, y'all don't support us. I'm like, three black women made up Black Lives Matter. And I've noticed recently, most notably Steven Jackson saying, I'm not affiliated with Black Lives Matter. I don't know what they be doing. 
because it's three queer black women that made this shit up and y'all not on board with it because it's three black women it's three queer black women so you don't want to get involved and act like they don't need no man when whenever it comes to police brutality black men are the face Breonna Taylor y'all were very late to that Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, which for some odd reason we don't really talk about anymore. There was also a young man, Sean Bell, I think, another Sean. All three of them, we found out all about their murders around the same time. Y'all sat on Breonna Taylor. Then George Floyd happened. And it still was like y'all sat on, sat on Breonna Taylor. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, we should be doing something. We were doing something. You were like, oh, no, no, no. This is not important. We really need to talk about this. What happened with George Floyd? I'm not negating any of that. Because as black women, we don't do that. We're like, I'm not negating any police brutality against black men and boys. What I am saying is that y'all seem to ignore the violence against black women, black girls, and most notably, black trans women, because the uh, biggest perpetuator uh, of violence against them are black men. Mm-hmm. y'all ignore that part y'all don't want to bring it up y'all don't want to bring up a toyin who was uh, marching for police uh, brutality and was raped and killed by a black man y'all don't like bringing it up y'all like because that really is an in-house problem but y'all don't ever want to stay in the house to solve the problem. you always like no 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 we got bigger fish to fry this is a problem it's like you don't want to solve it you were like no 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 not right now. That's not the point. That's not what we want to talk about. Um, when do you want to talk about this? You don't want to talk about Me Too because a lot of people feel like that's just a way to bring black men down. Hi. The only reason why Me Too got so big is because it was against a fucking white man. Right. That is the reason why. So they had nothing to do with black men. Y'all brought up Bill Cosby. I'm like, uh, it's about Harvey Weinstein. It was white men that got got more than often. Y'all have maybe at the most three people, Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, Tavis Smiley. That's three people. And if we want to tell the truth, the Me Too movement was co-opted. Pretty much. Yeah. Tarana Burke definitely started that to talk that about that hashtag was like it will tear your soul apart if you went back to when it really started because it wasn't just oh he touched my butt oh he lured me to a hotel room it, it, it yeah. is yeah I, no. it's gut wrenching and please don't even include what happens in South Africa because that is even worse they don't have the laws that we have mm-hmm. here it's just like, yeah, it's like it was all over and it was just black Twitter. So people felt like, even though it's like Twitter and people, some people use their real names and some people use like their locations. But for the most part, it's a little bit anonymous. So you felt like you can get this out because it was set up, Twitter was set up as like a micro journaling site. So people used to just let it all out. Nobody's ever going to see this. I can just say it. It's not like that anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's not like that anymore at all. So to watch black men do this weird, I know what's best. Okay. Um, 
I Know What's Best is very, very hard for me to watch. So we've been going quite a bit, but yeah, I feel like this is another part, but I just, I just, the sheer fucking audacity of Ice Cube is really where I am. The sheer audacity of a Kanye West. Sheer audacity of a KRS-One. Wait, what did KRS-One say? KRS-One said voting is a joke. He said it with Mike Epps. He kept saying electoral college. Right. Electoral. Electoral. Mm. He kept repeating it. And him and Mike Epps got into this discussion. And Mike was like, yeah, that's right. Say that shit. Why? Because he's saying a lie. He was talking about the electoral college. No, we're not voting for the president. We're voting for somebody else to get their vote. I'm like, so that's not how the electoral college works. He's like, it might be how the electoral college works, though. I mean, it might be the electoral college. That might be how that works, but not the electoral college. This is when y'all don't know anything. And again, how the electoral college works is a fucking Google search. It's a fucking Google search. Like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like, what? I'm like, I can't do this. Like, you know what? Well, it, 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 it's almost like we're going against people who've already made up their minds about how elections work in this country. But, mm-hmm. you know, what voting looks like and what they're going to do um, to hold the vote hostage. Mm-hmm. They already made up their minds. The issue comes when they have that much influence because they are prominent um, figures now mm-hmm. and that um, that's doing it. They're narrating and doing the speaking and doing the influencing of how, how things is going to go with us collectively or how mm-hmm. things should be with us. Mm-hmm. And and that's when it's like, again, we have access to the information and this is where we need to be more independent and not be, be sheeple. Mm-hmm. To follow what they're saying because it's, it's it's out there. It's it's like you're not going to tell me that you're the only person that came up with this contract. I I, I could go I could go far back as maybe like um in the nineties when there's that discussion. Did they label it? Did they say it's the black contract? No, but we know it, it's part of what it is for us as 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 people. And then this whole idea of leaving out black women leaving out black transgender, leaving out this, we have evolved in a place where it's not, we're not just talking about one one particular segment of our group. Mm-hmm. We are far more complicated. We are far more complex. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of things on with us where spending time and dealing with someone, with some people who clearly just demonstrated they can make the money, but it doesn't mean that they have all of the, um, all of the answers, and they definitely don't yeah. have kind of in-depth analysis and research that a lot of us don't have that money do have. Correct. So, and then we get caught up in this whole this whole cycle of um, going trying to fight against them, or fighting mm-hmm. and, and, and fighting with them, and talking about and getting caught up in what they're saying. And it's like not at this point, not when we days away. Correct. Making the most important decision about where this country going to go, where our city's going to go, where our town's going to go mm-hmm. in terms of leadership. I'm just saying. Yeah. Because I, 
It's not many silver linings about the pandemic that I can note, but I find it very interesting that a lot more people are early voting because we have the drop boxes. A lot of people were actually, a lot of people requested their ballot. A lot of people pushed that. Like, get your ballot. You can do it. You can get it. Go to a drop box and drop it off. And the good thing is you get it like where you request it. Cause I think you have to put an email address. At least that was for here in Maryland. You had to put in the email address when you um, selected your ballot. And then when they got your ballot, they would let you know, Hey, we got your ballot and you're going to be counted. So a lot more people are early voting. There are a lot of people who have been in long lines that are like an hour or two wait. And what are they doing? They're making the best of it. They're doing line dancing. Um, so I will let you guys know Courtney had to go because my babies need to go to sleep and my baby mom is going she had to put the babies away um, but to watch so many people exercising their rights for voting because it literally is it is a little bit easier to just go to any drop box and drop off your box it's like you don't even have to be in your district or where you mm -hmm. vote you can just put it in a drop box they stopped after a certain time for mailing. So it's like drop boxes are everywhere. You can just drop it off. People are making it a game. So I'm very excited to watch. The um, percentages of people voting early are maybe what, three times what it was last time? Absolutely. It's like, and, it's so much easier. And, and that's another thing too, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how this, this, how COVID had changed and made things happen that for mm -hmm. too long has been ignored or mm -hmm. there's the excuse or we can't make this happen. Or you now you're forced to make it happen. Because right. you mean to tell me all this time we could have had mail-in voting? Right. And uh, nationally, because Washington State has been doing it for years. Yeah. Like they don't they're like, we've always done mail-in voting. I'm like, wait a minute, y'all don't have she's like, no, I have a friend, two friends, Jay and Bacon. They both said the same thing. They're like, yeah, we do mail-in voting. They have always done it that way. And I'm like, wow. Wow. And it's like, I, it's like, I feel like I didn't even know that. I'm like, huh. I don't think it they're the only state. Because again, if you only know like what's happening in your state mm -hmm. and maybe some of your friends' relative state, um, yeah, you would know that this, the standard voting isn't to go, go track down a place to go vote and, and, mm -hmm. and stand in line and to do, to do voting. We are now still in this in the pandemic. So you got there's all of these um, nuances, if you will, to ensure that everybody's voting safely. Correct. It's like, wow, you know, we, we you had, could have been doing this. Re select, re request your ballot, and then put it in a drop box. It's like right. that makes it actually that makes it easier. <laughs> it makes it so much easier for so many people. It just makes it easier. So the other part of decision 2020 is the propping up of mostly black men, because I haven't seen a lot of black women doing this. Um, we got the, the 50 cents, the little Waynes, the Waka Flockas. Ice Cube is trying to backpedal and say, no, I'm not with this. I don't know who I'm voting for. No, 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 I'm not with him. Well, no, because he got, he got dragged in such right. a way that he didn't even expect it. But again, he, he deserved that dragon. Because you can't get up there and, and can't even articulate what you put in place, and then when when and then when you have people who are more uh, who have 
the better skill set mm-hmm. and in the the experience of policy making and they're trying to and they trying to point you in the direction that you need to go and you choose not to follow. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You 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 He's like, you, I'm sorry, you deserve all of this. He was like, Y'all just trying to take the black man down. And I'm like, yeah, oh, You're oh. trying to take us down. What are you talking about? It's like you didn't consult with anybody else. And the way he jumped shitty with the women on um the cocktails on the Fox show, Fox Soul show. He didn't do that with Roland Martin. And Roland Martin dissected this contract. He did not, he was not as defensive with him as he was with those ladies who said something that someone had already told him three months before. Like Mm -hmm. black women don't see, hey, you're not, you're not including student loan forgiveness, which why are you not talking about student loan forgiveness? You're not talking about um, mental health. You're not talking about hair discrimination and um, public, um, private and charter schools that literally is chiefly affected little black girls are the reason why we that's who really gets hit with that because the entire mandates in these schools are old right. and they are very racist it's like uh, you don't talk about that and I remember the two young men last year was like one was a valedictorian and then it's like he didn't want to cut his dreads or I'm sorry, his locks. I don't call them dreads anymore, y'all. Um, um the wrestler. Did, hmm? The young man that was wrestling on the, was on the wrestling team. Yeah, they, they cut, cut him right on off. Then all some people are like, oh my God, this is terrible. I'm like, you do realize when it comes to hair discrimination, black men are not the biggest stats on that. Those are black girls and black women. But it became, as soon as a few men saw themselves like, oh my God, why are you going to just treat that little boy any kind of way? How many times do you think this happens to little black girls? Little girls get put out of school. They don't get them come back. You give these kids uniforms because black girls are a little bit more shapely. They're the ones who get in trouble for the uniform that everybody wears. But them, it's like, Oh, you, you're doing it just so you can show off your body. I'm not. I'm wearing literally the same uniform that everybody else wears, but it comes after black girls. When it comes to the stats about black girls who are physically assaulted in school by those um, student safety officers, mm-hmm. it's black girls that are the biggest ones. Black girls are slammed to the floor. It's like, that's, that's us, but you're not, that's, not in your, that's not in your contract either. You're not talking about the black um mother mortality rate with giving birth. God, that and that you part don't right talk about that. Serena Williams almost died. Beyonce could have died. It's like when I talk about medical discrimination, why is that not in your contract? But if you had brought other people to the table, they would have told you all of this. I'm like, why are you not talking about this? Why are you not talking about medical discrimination? Why are you not talking about the military basically stopping hormone therapy for trans military personnel? Why are you not talking about that? As if, the, if you're saying that's a large percentage of black people are in the military, why are you not talking about mental health? Why are you not talking about black trans people not being able to get their hormone therapy because y'all's president said, no, we're done with that. It's not even a big percentage of their budget, but for some odd reason it could go. It's not even 20%. I don't even know if it's 10% of your budget, but you cut it because, well, 
you don't like trans people. Mm-hmm. So to watch black men go over to the party and kowtow to the person who don't give a fuck about your community. You got the little Waynes who little Wayne has basically been showing his ass for some quite some time. Wayne. He doesn't like dark skinned black women. Right. right he right. had he didn't want black lives matter. He don't care about my, my black lives matter. And so do my it my black life matters to me, ma'am. And so do and to my bitches. I'm not surprised by any of that at all. It's still very disappointing. Because you could have said nothing. This is a secret process, but you still keep showing your fucking ass every day. Waka Faka Flame been doing this for a very long time. 50 Cent, quote unquote, walked it back. But he only walked it back because of Chelsea Handler saying it. Not all the black people who said you should stop, but that white woman. Yeah, I peeped you too. It's like, what? And then Kanye, the birthday party, who for some reason is only fixated on taking votes away from Biden. Not really Trump, because, you know, let's be quite honest, y'all don't really have a problem with Trump. Because a lot of people like bringing up the 94 crime bill. I hear you, but I'll raise you the 1989 uh, ad that Charles president took out for the Central Park Five. That is before the crime bill. So before you're like, oh, love that crime bill. I'm like, so can we talk about the 1989 newspaper or should we not bring that up? Because you know that is something you... No? Oh, I forgot. Because y'all really didn't have a problem with Donald Trump. You don't. crime bill and the fact that um, majority of the black leaders at that time was for that stupid crime. And I don't want to say stupid because... There's a party of like domestic violence and, and assault weapons. Okay, we, we give it credit on that. But the mm-hmm. whole other piece of it, when it was the precursor to mass incarceration, that, that right there, that piece. That was the part. That's the part. And a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of black leaders then were for it. We could, we could do the look back. So, mm-hmm. it, but the problem was delayed at the feet of Biden and overlooking that whole picture now. Oh, premise. It's like there's a whole lot of black folks that needed to go down for that, including former mayors and, and one congressman now who's trying to get trying to get back into his seat, trying to keep the seat. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, because <laughs> um, Biden was very quick to note that the congressional back caucus was for the crime bill. Yeah. It's, it's like guys. You on your hands how many people that were not for it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You're not. And the thing about it is, I think the issue with it is when you think about new legislation, for some people, you're under this impression that it will be applied fairly. And that is not how that works in our country. It's never fairly. It's never across the board. Mm-hmm. Ever. So it's like... I, you like you want new legislation to help them like it'll help my communities yeah but they'll over police and under police at the exact same levels they'll over police you if you're sniffing wrong but if you actually need to help it's like it takes either they don't show up or it takes them forever why did, it's like no one i feel like sometimes people don't notice that that was a running joke in good times that when you called the police they never showed up hey but <laughs> like, they out there you're being in this is our occupying force. They out there. 
Right. It was like, you sniff wrong. Like, no loitering. It was like, yeah, but someone just got robbed and y'all are not even flinching to go help. So it's like under and over at the same time. It's like, I don't even understand. Literally. And that's, and for, because I know when it comes to this, there are a lot of Black men who don't like us pointing this out, that why do you think the Republicans are going after Black men? Because for a lot of white people, the face of Blackness is a Black man. It's like, it's not, it's not us. It's Black men. Oh, I'm sorry. It's cis Black men. Let me just be very clear. It's like, oh no, they don't want any trend. Oh, and straight. Because they're not going after gay Black men either. No. They're going after the straight Black, because one, they think you're the face of Blackness. And for a lot of y'all, that's how you operate too. When it comes to stuff for the black community, start with us and then trickle it down. And it's like, so that's not how that should work. It should be across the board and you don't want it across the board. Because it's like for some black men, they don't want equality. They just want to be able to do what white men can do. That's not equality. No. And it never has been. But y'all don't want to hear us. Y'all don't want us to talk about this because you feel like we're shitting on black men. And I'm like, so that's not what's happening here. But you seem to erase us and we're part of blackness. And for some odd reason, you don't want us included when you go and, and talk and to the though, orange I mean, demon. And it's interesting with that, you know, someone having that, that, that thought process. Mm-hmm. And then in a minute something happens, guess who shows up first? We show up first. Mm-hmm. Every we, time. We, we there. Every time. It's like, and I, I don't know. This is a sidebar. So I watched some of the Red Table Talk where it was the ladies and Jamel Hill and Carrie Champion, and they were talking mm-hmm. about Black women, and they were bringing up, um, how black women are not supportive of each other. And it's mostly, I know where it's coming from. It's coming from patriarchy and misogyny. I'm like, don't get me wrong. I'm not negating it. But it was interesting to discuss um, black women who compete at jobs. And also they brought up the Megan Thee Stallion thing. And it was like hurtful to see, they were like, it's so hurtful to see so many black women just not, um, not support her. And the first time I watched it, it hit me differently because I was sitting here like it, the first time I viewed it, it came off like you were saying black women were more unsupportive. And I was like, so that's not how that happened. But I, it took me a minute. I had to step back. I'm like, I know where that's coming from. Because there are a lot of black women who had a, who to this day thinks that Megan is lying. She's just trying to take down some black men. So when I think about the R. Kelly and the Bill Cosby and how a lot of black women still to this day don't think that they're, they did anything wrong. And also the reaction to Chris Brown and Rihanna and how a lot of black women say, so, well, she must've did something. No, because he hit, she hit her first. So all bets are off and that's how that goes. Ignoring the fact that he's abused two other women after her allegedly, but sure. Let's let's just focus on Rihanna, shall we? Um, it, I had to take a minute because at first I was like, I don't know if I agree with this, but then I kind of do agree with it. So there's the rub because this at the same time, but 
that's how our society is set up that you're the woman next to you is not your sister she's your competition mm-hmm. and it's like that's that's how you break that's the cycle that we need to break right that the, the woman standing next to you is not your enemy trans women are not quote unquote taking your men from you they are your sisters too they're our sisters too right exactly and it's like it it's like we that's the circle that i'm like we have to break that because it's like no we're all in this together because i'm tired of seeing y'all writing threads about how men ain't shit but then it's like oh but you can't have my ain't shit man i'm like okay so i don't i don't want an ain't shit man <laughs> it's like what, what are y'all doing it's like it's so confusing to me it's like i i, mm. I, I don't know but so let's wrap it on up because we've been talking but i just enjoy talking to charlene and i but um yeah election day is coming so final thoughts we are cautiously i could I, I feel like for all of us we're cautiously optimistic that joe biden will win but if 2016 taught us nothing it's not to underestimate whiteness. Right, right. It, it's not over until. Yeah, to all the all, all the counting is because you know he is not going to go quietly. Mm-hmm. He it doesn't care if he only gets fifty votes from electoral college and he got two seventy four. He'll be like, nope, not conceding. He ain't the conceding type. So he's not going to go. He's not going to go quietly right. into the night. He's not going to do this. Yeah, and then you have to. We also have to remember that if Joe Biden wins, he can't do nothing till January. So, because he has a Republican Congress, he can do a lot of shit. He's all. I think he's signed or is going to sign an executive order that is going to limit funding for HBCUs. You know the HBCUs. He told everybody that he cares about. That, those HBCUs? So, this is a lot. It's a lot. And, and here's the thing, because we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We could spend another, like, two hours trying to unpack what what's going to look like after the election day. Mm-hmm. And I, I say this to say, um, and these are things that we collectively have to be prepared for. Mm-hmm. It, like I said, either way it goes, it, it, it's going, we're in for a, a, a serious ride. Mm-hmm. And if we have not prepared ourselves collectively, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because a long ways, you know, as, as, as we would like, to, like for Biden to win but we know that there is that long window. It is a long window. It is a long time from November to January. Mm-hmm. And a lot does can and yeah. will happen in that space, in that time. That yeah. we must be prepared for it and, and know how we're going to go up against it if we need to. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's like, I, this is, I think the anger and just the, depression I had after 2016 that I'm like I don't want to go through that again and I don't want anybody to go through it again 
So if election day, especially if you've already voted, you're like, I've already done my part of what I could do for that. But I'm not taking my foot off the neck of this other stuff, which is the activism. So um, the shop, which is not, it's not consistent <laughs> scheduling. It's very sporadic when you think about the shop, but it's always timely. So the shop did a episode, I think it came out on Friday. It's on, if you guys have HBO, HBO Max, you can look for it. Barack Obama was the guest. Typically they have like a round table of different people on there. They only had Barack Obama and it was only about voting. It's 30 minutes. I definitely think that everybody should see it. It's worth a view. I was very impressed because <clears throat> I know a lot of people have issues with Obama, but he keeps saying something the same. Protest and voting goes hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. And also the president is not the only thing you're voting for. There's other things on the ballot. It always is. But voting is not just to pick a president. It's also to pick every other elected official in our country, state and national. Okay. It's like, you can't just have both. If you feel like your voice is better served in activism, use it. It's like, if you feel like I can do my part in voting, I can get people out, I can provide rides and be like, oh my God, I have no way to get to the polls. Offer, offer to give people rides. Right. Like, I can take you to the polls. What time? This is like, here are the blocks. Let me know. Or if you're like, I need, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to find my district. There are people who can help you look it up. They're like, I just need your address. I need your zip code. I can tell you where your polling place is. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's a lot of people that want to help you get your voice out because one, it seems like when it comes to rights for black people in this country, especially voting rights, it's like everything else that we have rights to. Everybody's like, yeah, we fought for this. And voting. Oh, no, 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 no. Y'all didn't fight for that. I'm like, so, yes, they did. And it's like, it's a very, maybe not be a direct correlation or a direct comparison. But people are saying, oh, voting doesn't matter. Your vote doesn't matter. It's kind of like when the devil wants your soul, but it's convincing you that your soul doesn't matter. It's like, oh, soul's not really, you don't really need that. Oh, really? Why do you want it? If it means nothing to you. If they didn't want, if they didn't think your vote mattered or that voting mattered, they wouldn't be trying to suppress it. Most people in power want to maintain power and the quickest way to not be in power is allowing people who don't look like you to make the decisions because uh, they are thinking about people who look like them or just people less fortunate or just realizing this shit looks a little unfair. So for Democrats, a lot of people like to play fair. That's the party of, seems like not totally great, but they play more fair than the Republicans. That's why you see so many brown and black people over there. You see so many Asian people. You see so many gay people. You see some trans people. Not enough, but we, we have a few. You see them more over there in Congress and marching and stumping because that's the, that is the party that is more receptive. I wouldn't say allowed. Allow is not the word I want to use. It's more, they're more receptive. The Republicans, they're not necessarily reflective to any black people. They, unless you can actually help them. Herman Cain died 
and nobody mentions him. His own party says nothing. They didn't acknowledge that he was a great person. He wasn't, he wasn't talked about the RNC. They didn't need him anymore. So they're not going to talk about him anymore. Michael Steele was a Republican darling until he kept saying, Trump is bullshit and why did y'all put him up? All of a sudden it was like, fuck Michael Steele. I'm like, huh, how interesting. You not, he's not talking the way that you want. Mm-hmm. And now you don't need him. Yeah, Stacey Dash is gone. Almarosa is gone. But Almarosa, the person you saw, yeah, that's the person that was on The Apprentice. Right. She didn't change, y'all. Uh, she is just about winning. She ain't, she's not necessarily anti-Black. She's just about winning. That's it. Charlene, I appreciate this time. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you using your voice. Um, <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I definitely implore everyone to find, if you want to do some Google searching, because I'm not telling y'all to stalk Charlene on her Facebook. I'm not telling you where she is. I'm not doing this. But you could, if you want to, Google Baltimore ceasefire. Yeah. There's a lot of cities. Chicago has a ceasefire. There's a lot of grassroots and community organizations that discuss or try to combat community violence, not black on black crime. That is not a thing. Community violence we can talk about. Because yeah. Proximity crime is the better term because we're talking about proximity. No one, if you live in uh, West Baltimore on Emerson Avenue, you're not going to travel across town to Roland Park to commit a crime. You're going to stay <laughs> on Emerson Avenue. <laughs> and usually that's the case because it's within, it's in proximity and, and there are levels and there are situations that um, attribute to that. Mm-hmm. But, but around it, it's the inability to resolve conflict yeah. without going to making that jump to taking someone's life yeah. or seriously injuring that person. Yeah. And so that is something that we collectively unpack and work with community, work with some of the people in the streets who, who are struggling with that. And then mm-hmm. we find out there's a whole host of things that lead up to that point. So, yeah. 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 So there you go. So mm-hmm. we got this weekend coming up where we're intentional about the city mm-hmm. coming together to affirm life. Okay. Taking on that power to affirm when life. When is the next um, Baltimore ceasefire weekend? I actually, like I said, it's this coming weekend. I'm like, sure. Cause I know it's getting kind of late. I'm like, I don't want to be crazy. It's from the 6th through the 8th, November 6th through the 8th. Okay, so that's upcoming. So that's even mm-hmm. better right after the election. Right. That is dope. So yeah, so I probably will be definitely advertising because I think I advertise every weekend. When I'm like, oh, it's this weekend. All right, let's go. Yeah, advertising, you know, change your profile picture in, in support of the movement mm-hmm. and support of the works that and it's regular residents are doing. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not political. It's definitely no. grassroots. Mm-hmm. Cause they, and there's so many events that happen during the weekend. It's not just, mm-hmm. oh, just change your profile and that's all we're doing. It's like, no, there are cleanup efforts of different parts of the city 
There mm -hmm. are marches, there are discussions, there are panels. It's a lot going on. So it's not just change your profile picture and then that's all we do. It's like, no, we're also providing education mm -hmm. and actually asking people. There are a lot of people who have good ideas about how to reach the youth. They're trying, like they want to develop programs for kids after school. It's like they want to like, so that you can get them, like find them something to do after school. But that takes money. And a lot of times because it's not a, prominent face people like fight for years to just get grants grants are not loans they're like but you have to have certain criteria mm -hmm. yeah and speak with it's interesting that you mentioned the schools too because now we we have schools involved but being being ambassadors of peace hmm. both like the program and the training mm -hmm. and ambassadors but they go through training mm -hmm. you know, of, um the escalation and uh, techniques and giving out resources. So it, it, we're talking about three years later, it has evolved to that point where um, the, we have teens, we have schools, we have youths just representing this movement. And again, it's, it's grassroots. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, yeah, it last, is. We have proven data that whenever we, there's a ceasefire weekend that um, uh, that most shootings and homicides are, are lower for that weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I said, so if we can do that on the weekend, imagine what that looks like when we keep continue, we keep adding and we keep adding and keep building on it. Mm -hmm. And then we have to drive down um, those um, those numbers of inner community violence. Yeah. Now that's it. Yeah. But you know what? Like I said, we're going we're gonna to go on. Because look at me. I'm about <laughs> I know uh, we, we get to talk but there's a lot to unpack because I feel like we don't talk about we're the most pragmatic voting block mm -hmm. and no one listens to us when we talk it's like we told you not to vote for him and y'all were like ah oh. we told yeah, whatever. it was like yeah we're, we were telling there were a lot of black women that were for Elizabeth Warren and some for Kamala Harris and we were saying no like Joe may not be the best candidate, but honestly, if you got, you need a shark to uh, fight a shark. So I, I get it. I, I get it. It's like, mm -mm. but believe me, black women were like, yeah, we, we know we, we got this. We're, we're the cornerstone of the democratic party. We always have been. <laughs> why do you think black, why do you think Obama has so many black women in his administration? Why? It's like, uh, y'all just don't know. All right, y'all. I will be back next week. Not talking about the election. <laughs> but I will be back next week. And if all else is, uh, all systems are go, next week my brother will make his return to Mocha Minutes because Ooh. we are halfway through the NFL season. And you know he likes to come through here and we like to discuss. He's a Raiders fan. Good to hell luck. Um, so, you know, we'll be back. So guys, please, whatever you need to do for self-care on election day, please do it. If you need to unplug for the rest of the week, go ahead and do it. Because this has been a, because we're still in a pandemic, it's still, that's part of it. It's kind of like, it's not just business as usual anymore. There's like, people are still quarantining at home. States are going to end up getting shut back down because we haven't even gotten to winter yet. Right. So do what you need to do. If you're like, I don't need, I'm not watching any news. I'm turning off my phone. You got to go on airplane mode or you just got to like unplug all, all the electronics in your house and sit in a dark room and just go to sleep. Baby, do whatever you need to do. 
because this is a very hard time because one, he needs to go. It's like, we can't even, this is not a joke. Diddy did that vote or die thing during Bush and everybody thought it was a joke. Now, if you said you don't want to do it, it's like, yeah, so I don't want nobody dying. He needs to go. Right. So, but do whatever you need to do mentally. If you've already voted, then you're like, I've done what I needed to do. I don't blame you. It's like, you already voted, you already put your ballot in in the Dropbox. You're like, I'm done with this part of my process. Let me move on to the next thing. And that is holding my people, their feet to the fire. Your congressman, your state senator, your city council, your county executive, your mayor, your any elected official. The marathon continues. This is not a sprint. It is a marathon. All right, guys, I'll be back next week. Bye. The roots of racism in this country are deep. Uh, The psychology of it has lessened, but it never fully went away. The legacy of slavery and Jim Crow means that, you know, we started the race behind with respect to uh, the resources in our communities, the uh, the way the criminal justice system was set up, uh, the lack of representation in corporate America, uh, all those things uh, didn't just go away. They, they built up over 400 years. They weren't going to go away just in 50 years, let's say my lifetime. We could expect that each time we took two steps forward, there was going to be some pushback because there are forces in our society that don't want to give up status and privilege. They don't want a level playing field. Uh, and by the way, that's not just true for African-Americans. You know, there are a lot of folks who don't want women to have opportunity because if suddenly women are competing on a level playing field, it may turn out, as Michelle likes to remind me, that women are at least as smart, if not smarter than men. Of course. <laughs> and can do the same job, Thanks. right? Yep. So, so we always knew there was going to be some pushback. The, the key is to be able to sustain uh, both our spirits, our hope, and our focus. And we vote. We get a win, like the Voting Rights Act or the Civil Rights Act. Yep. We consolidate that power, and then we go at it all over again to, to go after the next injustice. Yep. And sometimes it gets exhausting, and sometimes it doesn't feel fair. But the idea that you would just stop and give up is something that would be a betrayal to our ancestors. Yep. Of course. Uh, it would be a betrayal to all the folks, black and white, yep. and Latino, and, and Asian, who fought to allow us to be able to sit here. None of the three of us could imagine doing what we have done and what we continue to do 50 years ago. It was, it was not in the cards. 